This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Crange alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? How are you? How's life? Um, not bad. <laughs> it's it's not bad actually. I don't I don't have any complaints. That's good. I mean, you know, we're all dealing with the same thing, so that doesn't really count. Um, otherwise, things are good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I appreciate. No, that's the, uh, yeah. No, got to no. check in. Got to check in on your uh, your co-host every so often. You know. Yeah. We only talk <laughs> once a week. We talk a lot, but we only talk once a week. So you know, I just wanted to. I gotta call you. I don't think I have. I ever called you on the phone? I'm trying to remember if I ever have. Once or twice, like I actually called you. On, yeah, I wonder. But but the thing is, like, I don't call anybody on the phone. So right, right. You're not me. any different than like any of my other friends. It's it's. There's nothing more horrifying than one of your friends calling you, and you're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> like, you you automatically assume the worst, and you're disappointed when you answer, and it's just like, "Hey, what's up?" And I'm like, "What are you calling for?" <laughs> like, stop. Yeah, if you got my heart all pounding. Just text me next time. I don't have to talk. Come on. Yeah, no. Um, like most people, I think it's psychopathic to like call someone on the phone. There, there's no reason for that. Come on. Um, phone rings. I gotta assume somebody's dead. Phone right, exactly, rings. Exactly. I gotta assume there's bad news on the other end. So, um, but I, I think we talked on the phone once or twice. I, and one of the time, in fact, I remember one of the times we talked on the phone. <laughs> I I called you after the uh, G1 in Dallas. I called you when I was outside the building walking to my car, and you were extremely drunk. Do you remember that? Hmm. Okay. G1 Dallas. I was trying to find what the date was. <laughs> I was like, extremely drunk. Like, What's me extremely drunk? Like, How did you know? You were drunk because I it was you very You talked to me enough. To I guess you talked to me enough to know what I'm <laughs> You even it's said, well, let me see what that was and see what I was so possibly I called, doing. So. I, I called you because I wanted to see if you wanted to do audio while I was driving home. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> you were, you were very jovial. And, um, I was thinking, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> I think Rich is drunk. And then even, you know, you were trying to, you were talking to the nurse and you were trying to figure out whether we can do this audio and you were like you know what joe i don't know i'm really drunk <laughs> what was i doing so july 6th of the date i wonder what the hell i was doing on that day that make me so drunk and, oh well and that geez. was the end of that so <laughs> that's great so you may have even uh you may have even had still had some of that devil's lettuce from your oh from your... no i didn't I, I don't know <laughs> You're partying it up with the nurse that night, though. 
what were we doing on July? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't usually get. Uh, yeah, that's 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 a rarity. That's I was trying to figure out because there's like the I go to the beer fest every single year. It's like this uh, giant beer fest that takes place around my house, and like that is like that. Yeah, I'm always pretty uh, pretty messed up on that day because it's just incredible beers for hours. It's hot and stuff, but I can't. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know what was going on during this day. I just found it out. Yeah, no, I was way too drunk to do a show for that. Uh, this is also this, – this is an event. I'm glad I figured this out. This is an event that um, one of the breweries puts on uh, in Chicago and essentially show up and it's just free beer for as long as you want until like from like noon until whenever you want to stay, you can get some free beer. So, um, no, definitely not in the mood to do a G1 podcast that day. Okay, glad I figured that out. So There you go. One of the two days out of the year that I'm actually like legitimately drunk. Because I was like, really? Like, that's hard to believe because I'm usually like, okay, I'm usually fine. Like, I'm usually, yeah, I had a, I had a few beers, but I'm good to go or whatever. Uh, that day and the one that I mentioned, the Beer Fest day, are definitely out. So, yeah, that that's the day it was, so. Rich, you don't have to explain yourself. I'm You're just trying to figure it out in my head. I'm just like, man. Well, you know, it's one of these things where, like, maybe on the outside, I don't know that I appear that way. You know, like, like you're maybe staging a a, 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 a small-scale intervention here, you, you know? We're saying, Rich, I was talking to you, and I wanted us to do work, and I wanted us to, you know, make some money here on Patreon, talk about the G1, but you were in no condition to, to do that. You know, a Jeff Hardy, you're in no condition to perform type thing backstage. I feel, I feel like... You're being very defensive. <laughs> let let me let me be clear. I don't care that you were drunk. You're you're a grown man. If 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 you want to get, you know, inebriated on your own time, more power to you, my friend. You know, you're a hardworking man. Make a solid wage. You take care of that wife of yours. You know, you're both hardworking. You take 19 vacations a year. If you want to sit down. And imbibing some, you know, alcohol, that's, you're a grown man. So I, no need to be defensive, my friend. I, I cast no stones. <laughs> I cast no stones. I've, I've no problem with, with the fact. But I just, I just remembered. You asked if we ever talked on the phone. And like one of the two times we talked on the phone, um, you know, you were very drunk. It's the only time I've heard you drunk. You, you show up like a professional every week. To the show. Well, and that's and that's what it caught me. That's why I wanted to figure out what that day was because I'm like, man, like normally, I don't think I would ever pass up doing audio like that, especially if we can, you know, throw it on the Patreon, make some make some dough. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm, I'm shocked that I didn't say yeah. I must have been real bad if I said no, Joe. I'm well, not you were you, you wanted to do it, and you were trying to manipulate the nurse into letting you do it. Cause I think- <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> I think I'm you good, I'm just, good, I'm good. And she's like, please don't. For God's sakes, go to bed. You were spending some quality drunk time together, I think. And you were like talking to her and she's like, she's cursing me. I could hear her. And then <laughs> that re- sounds about right. That's any day. That's That was no drunk, drunk that any day. Michelle's usually cursing the name of Joe Lanza. So. Yeah, she's, I hear her in the back. Like, like she knows I could hear her too. It's not like. <laughs> She's like, tell him it's eleven o'clock at night. Does he does he know that it? And and I'm just like, I'm just you know pitching an idea here. And then you still were going to do it. And then then I like you walked like, into another room and whispered to you like, all right, Joe, uh, here, <laughs> like one sec. You were just like, you know what though, I I'm very drunk, and and that was that. Um, you know, you probably had some wild crate action that night, huh? Um. I mean that I don't remember specifically. I remember the day that happened, but uh, yeah, I probably, 
Probably. You know, pro- there you go. You know, usually you're very self-deprecating when I bring up the Krejci action, but you're like, yeah, man, I laid the pipe that night. Absolutely. Um, so I like that. But uh, that, listen, much better than doing audio with me. So you chose the better option. I should have done there. both. I mean, I could have honestly done both. Now I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't do both. Not at the same time, obviously, but um, well, that's twenty dollars tier. That's a twenty dollars tier for that. Twenty. Only... We got to go a little higher than that, right? For for that tier, fifty. I'd that's say. the OnlyFans content. <laughs> right. Listen, I got a phone full of content for that. The minute you want to roll it out, okay, I'm I'm We've, ready. You know, I, the the nurse has been seeing. There's some fellow nurses that have been uh, not like at her hospital, but like she follows nurse accounts on like Instagram or whatnot. And apparently, that's a big thing, like the nurse industry on OnlyFans. And it's starting to get her thinking. The, the wheels are turning a little bit. And I gotta say, I'm not against it. Listen, if I'm taking these pictures and videos anyway. Might as well throw them up there, right? Not, not the worst idea, yeah. So, um, <laughs> weird, weird start. To this the is show. a terrible start. I wish we weren't live. I would say I'd cut it, and we would just re like we could just. I know we're live, and the people that are listening live, the the ten dollars tier members, they heard all this. But I almost feel like we should just restart it all and just kick it off and just act like this never happened at all. And those people you, will know that it happened. You always say that, and then it, you I'm never, never going to do it. Anyway. Yeah, because we've already we're already ten minutes in. I don't want to go back. You know, this is a vintage 2014 show. The only thing missing is some weird Twitter grudge that <laughs> right, that you and I argue with some 14 year old Pearl fan for for two hours for no reason. Yeah, that five percent of the audience you know understands <laughs> right. what's going on. That's the only thing missing from this. Um. But I looked, we always have those. It's not like those weird Twitter grudges completely go away. I mean, there's far less of them now because we just block everybody under the sun. But um, I mean, we could do that, too, if you want to go full throwback. Uh, but speaking of people who were drunk, Rich, I want to quickly discuss this before we move on to our, our topics. We got ads on this show, by the way. Or uh, no ads, ads this on? week. No ads this week. So we can make our own yeah. ads. But we can make. No, I mean, we have real ads. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. That's an ad, right? I'm working for free here. I mean, Well, the $10 know, members are paying you right now, so no. That That's a good point, you know, because we, you know, no ads. Let's just go two hours here. What am I doing? But um, what was I going to say? Speaking of drunk people, I want to slip this in before we get to our topics. And I guess if there's no ads, it doesn't really matter. Um, the Was Scarlet drunk last night on NXT because there are few things in wrestling that should surprise me and I understand that when it comes to pro wrestling everybody likes different things and no matter what it is, no matter how great something is, you're going to find people who think it sucks no matter how terrible something is, you're bound to find people who who think it was good Um, but I genuinely and this you know am blown away by this response to the to the cross carry on cross scarlet thing their entrance last night it, now look it, it's not universally being praised but I think if you didn't like it you're in the minority which is very surprising to me and I I'm really blown away at the praise that people are throwing at this thing because watching it in real time without knowing what sort of the greater reaction to it was. I thought it was one of the cringier, more embarrassing things that I've seen in wrestling in the last couple of months. 
it, it was one of those things where you're really hoping no one walks in the room while it's happening. Right, that's how right, right. that's really how bad it was. In particular, um, it was way too overwrought, way too over the top. And Scarlet in particular, with the lip syncing, I mean, she looked like she was in physical pain. The over, what's the word I'm looking for? The overacting or the over, just over exaggerating. Yeah, over, like you can tell she's over enunciating even though she's not speaking, which is weird. Oh, it's just, it was so It looked like bad. somebody who's never sang before. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's how I would look if I was trying to, like, loudly fake sing. But I wouldn't because I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a singer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to do that. And it's clear that she really didn't know how to do that either. It was – I think the worst part about it is is watching it. I feel like I haven't seen – I'm sure you could just find it. Go look up on Twitter or whatever if you, if you didn't watch NXT last night. But just look up Cross, uh, Scarlet Entrance, and, and you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, the thing that I think that, that annoyed me the most is like – 40 seconds into it, I'm realizing, holy fuck, this is going to happen every week now. <laughs> like, you know, that's the thing that if I saw this on a takeover, I would say, huh, that was really over the top and really kind of lame and kind of annoying, but whatever. It's for a big takeover. There's smoke everywhere. It's fine. It's whatever. Knowing that every single week it's going to happen, <laughs> that every single week she's going to come out there and make silly faces and Cross is going to grunt and, and sniff and there's going to be smoke everywhere and all this. It's so weird and I don't understand why it exists. And like <laughs> NXT, I mean, of, of all – I cannot understand how a company – could find a way to make Scarlet not hot. You know what I mean? That was going to be my next point. The, the layup of all layup is Scarlet go out there and be hot. That she they, can do that any day of the week. Twenty four seven is Scarlet walk out and just be hot. That's all we need from you. And they you know have what? found she can do yeah, it. I, <laughs> She's great at it. They have found a way to make an extremely attractive person as unattractive as <laughs> like, possible. How do they do that? If if you look at the the gifs of her mouth movements during this lip syncing, I, I it it looks like she's like either constipated, or is being stabbed in the stomach, or she's in pain, or she's being like attacked, or she's or she's feeling stressed or emotional, like like she's just been told that a that a family member died or something like that's it looks horrible, you know, and then on top of that. Everyone's fixated on arguing about the entrance itself. Rich, what I think everyone is overlooking. Then this man wrestles in a cloud of smoke. <laughs> right. The cl- for, to be fair, the cloud of smoke didn't r- maintain the entire match. But a good half of the match, the ring was engulfed well, in smoke. It was only like a 30-second match. But the ring is engulfed in smoke when the bell rings. Like, yes. I, and I think that's the idea. I think they oh, want for sure. Oh, ha- uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's not just because the entrance. Like, you could chalk it up to like, oh, you know, the en- you know his entrance caused a bunch of smoke to stay in the ring. Like, no, that was pumping smoke into the ring for the the effect of this ring is filled with smoke. Rich, I watched it last night, and I took my notes for the Thursday TV reviews, and I cracked my knuckles, <laughs> logged on to Twitter.com, and was ready to join in the dunk session. And what I discovered was most people thought this was brilliant. What the fuck are they? What were they? What is horrendous? 
horrible. It's also one of those things, too, where, like, entrances like this, and I know under, I, <laughs> the worst part about this is someone is definitely going to reply with, yeah, The Undertaker, you know, just like the whole thing again. And it's like, it's still ridiculous what The Undertaker did, too. But the idea of a wrestling entrance taking that long and standing in the ring and doing all your posing and all this smoke and stuff is like, why wouldn't the guy just run in and, like, beat you up? Like, why, why would the guy you're facing just sit there and let you go on for 25 minutes? Standing in the ring, crossing your arms, Scarlet, you know, diving underneath his legs and popping up. It's just like, all this is happening in a simulated fight. Like, what's what are we doing? Along those lines, you know the best part? Somebody tweeted this at us, and I don't know who it is, but I'm, whoever it was, if you're listening, I'm not taking credit because this was all you, and it, it made me legitimately laugh. But this guy tweeted at us, and he was like, imagine the first time he has to do a run-in. Because <laughs> you know they're going to do, like, because you know they, they have to do their choreographed bullshit. Like, remember remember uh, uh, Rhea Ripley? She had... <laughs> yeah, she was going to save Bianca Belair. But... <laughs> Stomp. <laughs> but she had, to, she had to wait for the right timing in the music to do her foot stomp before she ran in. Because she's so angry and wants to get to Charlotte, but not but God, until you got to do the stomp, though. You got to get the stomp in, though. So when this guy has to do a run in, you know, is that music going to come on and is Scarlet going to be doing these exaggerated mouth motions and lip syncing as this guy's luminous, or you know, as they as they slowly come down to, and it's going to be filled with smoke. I was going to say the smoke might help a lot because that that would distract anybody um, as he's making his way down to the ring. So the smoke could be an asset for. Uh, old Carrion Cross. Carrion Cross, yeah. Um, here's the other thing, too, and this is something else no one's talking about. Killer Cross kind of stinks. Oh, I yeah, mean, he's not good. Yeah, like, are people we, are going to figure that out pretty quickly. I mean, I, I, I okay, <laughs> he kind of stinks. He's one of those guys, I, I think I like him, but he's not very good. Does that make sense? I mean, he has a great look, and he has a hell of a Saito suplex. And he has, and he comes off credible. The problem is, if a match goes longer than five minutes, this guy's a disaster. Exactly, and that, and that's that's going to come to a light very quickly. Rich, he's in a company where all the big time matches are like 20, 25 minutes. Right, we're seeing Velveteen Dream kind of fall into the same trap right now, uh, as well. Where it's like, yeah, he can do a lot of cool stuff in front of a crowd for you know a few minutes, but then once you go a little bit longer, once you try to go ten minutes, anything like that, uh, things aren't going to work. And yeah, the other problem too is like. Uh, you know, I'm watching this match, and and like it was good. It was a good squash. It was like Leon Ruff was the opponent, right? I'm I'm blanking on it. Leon Leon Ruff was the opponent, and this was an awesome squash. Oh, it was great. But the, the entire time I'm watching it, I'm going like, he he's how long is he going to be able to do this stuff that he's doing? Like he's just dropping Leon Ruff on his fucking head, doing Saito soup. Like that looks really cool. Like I like it. I think it's a it's it's a good you know good offense, all that sort of stuff. But like. I, do you really believe the long term is that he's just going to be dropping guys on NXT on their fucking heads doing psycho suplexes in 30 seconds? I mean, he should ask Taz. You know, when Taz came in, that match against Kurt Angle. I, mean, I know I'm going back 20 years here. But, um, you know, they didn't like the way he threw his suplexes and all that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not a, you know, they, they, they don't, it's not a company where they go out of their way to drop each other on their heads. I right. mean. But, I mean, look, no, but he's always thrown a really good suplex, and the choke looked good. I had no problem with the match. No, it was really I was really good. Yeah, more of that would be fine. The problem is, like, when you have to upgrade from that with Cross is always going to be the issue. It, and, and I don't – and here's the thing, too. I don't even have a problem with 
quote unquote theatrical entrances. Like this is not one of the usual things that I bang on. I thought Finn Balor's entrance with, you know, he throws the hands up and the lights go on and the entrance, that's a cool entrance. And um, I'm trying to think of some others. Karen Dewar is one that we've, you know, mm-hmm. with the Swan thing. I think that's a cool entrance. Um, I think Alistair Black, who has a very similar entrance to Cross, his comes across as a cool entrance. And I have no problem with that where he sort of rises up and then he has the music and, but, but there's a fine line with these things, I think. And it's just the lip syncing was, was atrociously embarrassingly awful. It was terrible. Um, and look, there's going to be some people who, as we saw with the, uh, the fun house match and with the, with the, uh, with the undertaker, AJ styles match that are just going to eat this kind of shit up no matter how hokey it is, no matter how how far it crosses the line into just being corny as fuck the way that this was last night. Oh, we'll just wait till this weekend. We'll talk about Money in the Bank. I cannot wait for the, this is how all wrestling should be from here on out you know, type things that we're going to get this weekend. So. Well, I don't even know what that's going to look like. But Ooh, just in terms, of like, in terms of like theatrical stuff, and it's just, look, some people eat that up. You know, we had that conversation ad nauseum around WrestleMania time. So I get that there was going to be a segment of fans who really thought this entrance was was a home run. But I was really stunned to find out that myself and apparently you are in the extreme minority here. I mean, people thought this was fucking phenomenal. And I I, I really thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was flat out embarrassing, especially for Scarlett. Not so much for Cross. He just looked intimidating and walked to the ring. And Now, he started lip syncing after the match, and he looked like a total geek. I should bring that up. Because he wins this incredible squash against Ruff. He looks great. And then he stands up and he starts lip syncing the words. He starts going to fall and pray or whatever the fuck. Yeah, we need, not, we need to just lose the lip syncing from everybody. I, honestly, it's like 10,000 times better if Scarlet just comes out and, and is hot and Cross just comes out and looks menacing and they get in the ring and they beat ass. You know what I mean? Like You've, you've got one of the hottest women on earth. All she has to do is walk out in lingerie. And this guy walks out behind her because he looks like he's one of the toughest motherfuckers on yeah, the planet. Yeah, just stares and and growls and looks menacing, and you're good. That's it. You can even keep the smoke. Keep the smoke, honestly. I don't really care that much about the smoke. Look, the smoke is dumb. It's ridiculous. Cannot... It's ridiculous. But look, beggars can't be choosers. We're talking. We're we're we're, t- we're just telling them to stop, change a little bit of it at first. You don't want to change everything all at once. But we're drifting away again. Though we're <laughs> drifting away from what this is. It's it's you can't wrestle in a cloud of smoke. It's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. And here's the other thing. It's like it, the one thing about these big entrances is it's easy to tell when they've given up on somebody because then they stop. Like there'll be an episode of NXT six months from now and he'll just like already be in the ring. Like, you know what I mean? And she's standing with them because they, they don't you can't do these big entrances. And then, you know, you do jobs every week. Like it only works when you're getting pushed. It, it's like it makes you look like double the geek. If, like, you're not being pushed. Now, look, clearly, if they're giving him this kind of entrance, they're behind him. And they're, he's going to get a monster push. Oh, for I sure. Mean, we, you know, so, and from that perspective, this is all good for his career and all that. Because I was talking to somebody else last night about it. And, yeah, I agree. Like, they're obviously pushing him. And he's obviously going to be uh, given every chance to be a star. And and I agree that this is, like, a main event style presentation for that company, but that doesn't mean I have to think it was good because it wasn't. It was very, very cringe. Um, look, 
the fiend is a main event act in that company, and I, that's not any good, and that's cringe. So I, I just because this is an indication he's going to be pushed doesn't mean I have to praise it. Is this sucked? You know, it's it's it sucked real bad, and it, it's really like you you brought up earlier. You're you're just you're missing a layup with Scarlett. She doesn't need this exaggerated stuff, and he's making these ugly faces. She's a gorgeous woman. Just let her stand there and be gorgeous. What are you doing here? What are we doing here? We're overthinking this. These people, they, they could just they could come out with no music, and they they could get over who they are. You know, it's like this. You don't have to swing the pendulum all the other way. And but listen, this is an unpopular take. But I think I'm going to have a lot of unpopular take. I'm never afraid to have an unpopular take. And I think I'm going to have a few today. I guess starting with this one. But I don't know. I thought this was utter shit. Yeah, and and it's a thing that's kind of permeated NXT for a while because it's it's one of these things. It's like a, it's almost one of their like own self fulfilling prophecies that you know goes back years and years and years ago. With um, even like Finn Balor is one of the first ones that I remember where you know there's interviews where he's like, yeah, no, I you know in the famous like, oh, I needed to know where the hard cam was or I needed to know how to like time my entrance properly or whatever. And it's one of these things that they've kind of just created in their own minds that you need to have this type of entry that you need to have the cinematic and just giant production every single time you come out and the problem with that though is it it, the impact gets lessened every single time like the Finn Balor thing is still pretty cool and and that's you know at its baseline he he raised his hands up when his song hits a certain point and and things happen okay cool whatever Triple H spits water at a certain point in his song okay whatever that that sort of stuff's fine but then it it, like little by little and and you mentioned Aleister Black was a guy who who kind of took it up another notch okay he comes from a a platform and moves up and then comes out you know like there's that and like every single one keeps going more and more and more and more and like it's gonna be it's diminishing returns at that point and well the thing is like like Aleister Black's he still retains his credibility with his entrance it's just a cool entrance and I don't think it but these two last night, I felt like they were play acting. I felt like they were, um, they were, they were, it was forced, it right. came across forced. Well, and then that ends up hurting the presentation because now instead of, now I feel like they're out there and they're, they're very blatantly attempting to portray characters instead of this guy's an ass kicker and he's got a really hot wife girlfriend whatever she's supposed to be right yeah yeah no for sure and th- and that's where like the, the the finn one and some of the other things that they used to do was just like all right just timing it at a certain time and you can like it or dislike it or think it's lame or whatever but that's just like hey here's when my song comes on and here's when i'm in the ring or whatever it's forced it's a little too choreographed for me i don't really love it but i get why they would say okay you know let's pump it up a little bit that sort of thing works you know the fans get attracted to it or whatever it's fine but like they are just like more and more and more just kind of and we talk about it a lot of time where like they WWE in a lot of cases, especially that company, will just like they'll come up with something, they'll decide that that's the way it needs to be, and then they'll just hammer it fucking home, and it's just the way it has to be. Where like you said, Cross and Scarlet can come out with no music, walk down the ring, and you you get it right away. She's hot, he's a badass. Boom, there it is. That's all the story you need to tell. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to tell. This guy, in four seconds, you see, hey, this guy's a big fucking badass, and wow, that girl's really hot. That's all you need to tell. That's the entire story. But they can't do that. They have to, okay, no, you have to sing. No, there has to be smoke. No, you have to cross your arms. He's got to cross his arms, Joe. He's killing. He's carrying cross. Did you notice that he had to cross his arms? I just don't buy them in the roles that they're in because of how over the top it was. Whereas someone like Aleister Black, I can buy him. I can buy him in his role. Um... You know, uh, and 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 
whatever. I think I said all this already. There's no more passion. <laughs> right. uh, we can <laughs> we can punt this and uh, and move on. So, what do you want to do next? Do you want to jump to? I I don't know if we sh- we were going to do AEW first, but why don't we just wrap up WWE and do Money in the Bank and then uh, and then do the AEW? Yeah, let's do that. So. Um... Money in the Bank. There is a WWE pay-per-view this weekend, folks. Uh, Joe and I, <laughs> if you listen to us last week, we were going over all the things that we have to cover, and you're, you're mentioning, well, you know, we got, we got double or nothing, you know, in two weeks, and that'll cover up some time. We got, you know, we have, there's still stuff happening there, and we, not one time did you ever mention Money in the Bank. And I was actually on this show, I have a little note in, in, in my show notes to say, make a joke about how this week Joe forgot that Money in the Bank is next week, not knowing that Money in the Bank is actually this weekend, May tenth. Yeah, Money in the Bank. Is this <laughs> I can't weekend. believe it. Like, yeah, I legitimately found out about that a day ago. Well, I mean, clearly you're not doing your homework and watching five hours of Raw and SmackDown every week, like I am. So, so that's perfect. So, I, what I'm going to do because I have not been uh, spending my five hours sitting down and watching um, WWE First Run Television. What I will do is I, I will mention the matches. And you, uh, you can get me because I like again. I haven't done my homework. I've been lazy. I've, I've haven't watched this. So what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna uh, intro the matches. And then you tell us why we need to care about this match. Who's gonna win? And all that other good stuff. Like the, the storylines, the background, and who's gonna win every match. Is that okay? Well, that backfired on me, but okay, let's do it. Fatal four way tag team match for the WWE SmackDown tag team titles. The New Day, your champions, Biggie and Kofi, versus The Miz and John Morrison, The Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler, Jackson Riker, and or Wesley Blake. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Is all three of them or just and or? Uh, and then Lucha House Party. Hey, look at those guys. Grand Metallic and Lindsay Dorado uh, for the SmackDown tag team titles. Joe, who's going to win and what's the story that I need to know watching this match? Yeah, Callisto's still hurt. That's why it's the other two guys. Uh, Forgotten Sons got called up to the main roster, and um, you know they're they're actually not that bad, bell to bell. But you know the gimmick is not good, and um, uh, you know it's it's they're just not a team that that excites anyone. And there is no story. I mean, this is just the same old usual tag team clusterfuck just squeezing them onto the card. There's no effort put into any of this. And this is kind of what the Revival was talking about in their sort of exit interview that they did with Jericho the other day. I don't know if you heard it. I haven't heard the whole thing. I listened to little bits of it. Uh, I, I'm about, I don't know, about 10, 15 minutes in or whatever. But, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on finishing the whole thing uh, pretty soon because what I heard was pretty good. I mean, they just constantly stated that they would tell people, look, we just want effort put into the tag team division. We're not asking – to have the, you know, we don't want to be champions. In fact, um, I don't, I can't tell the two guys apart, but the one dude was saying they didn't even want to be champions under the current circumstances because being WWE tag team champions right now is almost like a black mark because the titles and the division are considered such a joke that it's like he didn't sit, name any team specifically, but I think what he was getting at is then you just get a stigma like you're the B team. Or your whatever right. other dopey team, you know, held these titles when they don't mean anything. So he was saying that he actually preferred not to be champions. So like there's this misconception that they were mad that they weren't champions. Their whole deal was they just wanted the tag team division to be treated seriously and have good storylines and have character development and all of those things. And that's what they were annoyed with. 
you know. And he says no matter what they were told to do, they'd go out there and, and, and work hard, and they were willing to take on that new gimmick. And see, I, he explained the mechanic. You saw the the uh, the the art. Yeah, the- yeah, the mock-up of whatever the hell that <laughs> that was supposed to be. But yeah, I can tell you what it was. So what it was was because these guys were constantly complaining uh, to management and publicly that the tag team division wasn't being taken seriously. The idea that the company came up with was, was okay, we're going to make, you guys are going to do this whole like tongue in cheek over the top, silly gimmick where you're wearing clocks around your necks and you're dressed like jesters. And the idea of the gimmick is going to be, well, if you're not going to take us seriously, then we're not going to take ourselves. Right. 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 So that was kind of the idea behind it. And, uh, they said they laughed it off right in front of Vince and you know it never got off the ground and at that point they took him off the road and took him off TV and let him go but they said if they would have been asked to do it they would have you know done it and, put, and it, it does sound more interesting once it's explained rather than just looking at the concept art because uh, it would have been playing into the whole reality of the situation um, you know I'm sure they still would have came off like absolute goofballs you know shaving each other's backs and everything else. But uh, the point here is you look at this match on this pay-per-view and it just speaks to what the gripe was that these two guys had. There's just no effort put into this tag team division. It's very similar to when New Japan was just doing those three- and four-way tag team title matches over and over and over. It's just obvious there's no there's no effort. So that's what this is. I would love to explain to you. Uh, the deep, meaningful story behind <laughs> yeah, the, forgot- the big, the big blow-off feud between the Forgotten Sons and the Lucha House Party that I'm sure has been bubbling under the surface. For- but yeah, it's just an undercard match where they're throwing eight guys in the ring and they're hoping it's an exciting undercard match. That's yeah, it. yeah, and that's what the tag team division appears to be right now. And like, there's, I, I see, like. For me, like, I like these matches a lot because it's pretty cool. Like, you turn your brain off for 10 minutes, these guys do a bunch of cool shit, and it's done. But, like, I could absolutely see how anybody involved in this, especially guys that really take pride in, in, in their work, would just say, okay, well, you just want us to go out there and just do something for 10 minutes, do a match for 10 minutes. Like, that that gets boring after a while. And, you know, these guys, I like, this match, you know, I read it on paper. Like, I, I'm, I'm with you. The Forgotten Sons, I think, are pretty... Pretty decent. I think people don't give them enough credit because they're just kind of these generic bearded dudes. You know what I mean? And and I get why people might just kind of roll their eyes at them. But yeah, they're pr- pretty good workers. And the new day, I mean, God, Biggie and Kofi speaks for themselves. And the Miz and Morrison are are, are fine. And Morrison will do, go out there and do really cool stuff. And Lucha House Party, of course, are, are talented workers. But it's like, what? Why do I care? You know, why would I give two shits about what these guys are going to do? I mean, it's cool that yeah, you're going to have you know 11 minutes to do a bunch of cool stuff, but. Yeah, there's just no care anymore about this tag division, and it's 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 absolutely sad. And and yeah, like the the revival thing is is similar to what we're hearing from from everybody that leaves there. It's just like I just want to do something that makes me feel like I belong or that I'm important or that you care. That's it. Like none of these people, none of these people have said, yeah, well, what I should do is I should have made a main event at WrestleMania and I should have won the WWE Championship because I'm better. Like it, everyone's just like, yeah, like Moxley, you know, his thing was just like I don't know, just like let me do something I like or like let me just act like you care like when i talk to you listen to me and say yeah okay yeah okay you know take some advice or listen let me do something or just let me be me or just let me do something meaningful anything just like that and that's the cry that everybody's making it's just like god it's so simple i don't want to main event wrestlemania i just want to do something that i believe in and and they just don't and then these guys leave so we've been making this point for years on this show people just want to feel like they're doing something that matters you know it's not always about money 
Right. And, 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 and yeah, like Moxley said, like, I don't care. I'll do an undercard feud or, you know, the revival saying, fuck it. We'll do some bullshit ass weird gimmick. We don't care. We just want to do something that matters. Like, you know, uh, the, the, one of the great examples you know, was Tyson Kidd being like, fuck it. Just let me go to NXT, man, and just have a great NXT run. Like these guys just want to do something that matters, even if it's on main event, even if it's on, you know, NXT, even if it's not the main event of WrestleMania, they just don't want to do go out there and have a match. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Like, cool. Uh- they also noted that they were offered even more money than what was reported. And Jesus uh, Christ, I should have taken that. I'll be honest. Well, they, well, they admitted they said if it would have gotten to a certain point, it would have been impossible to turn down. But it never got to the point where it was just impossible to turn down money. And you know, they were adamant about we just want an assurance and we want uh, some assurance and proof that the tag team division is going to matter. And they never got that assurance, so they continued to ask. And you know, fifteen months later. They finally got what they wanted when it became obvious yeah. that they were never going to resign and that when they weren't on board with the new uh, version of, of their gimmick. So uh, anyway, that was uh, the revival on Jericho and the gist of it. Um, so what do we got next year? We have. All right. So we have Bailey defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Tamina. Tamina Snuka getting some love here on a... Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Why would anyone Why would anyone want to watch Tamina wrestle ever? That, you know, you know, and uh, Aunt Pam, I guess, has been interesting. You know, trademark, shake them ropes. I guess has been more interesting or refreshed since the turn. But um, I don't have any. I have zero interest in this. I mean, um, I'm not a big enough... Bailey fan to where I'm excited about watching her wrestle against anybody. And Tamina is just, you know, it's, we all know why she she's still stinks, there. Joe. She's fucking terrible. Just, just yeah. yeah. She's, yeah. I mean, she is, she's terrible. We all know why she's still there and um, she's going to get her once every other year, a little push. And that's what's happening now. And she'll probably get hurt again and disappear for another year and then pop up and get another push and just rinse, repeat. Um, but yeah, she's horrendous, and there's there's, I I you know there's no way anyone's looking forward to this, so there's nothing else to add. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, to me, to me, the thing is just perplexing to me. Like I I get the Nia Jax thing a little bit. I, I understand why Nia Jax you know gets the 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 push she does, even though she's not good <laughs> on any level whatsoever. N- but Nia I get Jax, it. she's way more useful than Tamina. Exactly, I mean. Tamina is like. What in the fuck is happening? Like, why? Like, I, I know, again, we know why she's there. We know why she hangs around or whatever. But I always bring this up to anybody, you know, and anybody we ever watched Tamina matches. Or we, like, we, you know, people are over my house and they watch, you know, the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania or whatever. And Tamina's on there. And it's just like, the thing I always tell people is like, the thing that's just the re- most ridiculous about Tamina is that she can't even do a splash properly. If you're yeah. the, the daughter of Jimmy Snuka and you can't do anything, at least do a fucking splash properly. She can't even do that without blowing her knees out every single time. I mean... What are we doing? <laughs> like, why is this existing? Why is she there? Come on. If you want to praise her on any level, I mean, if I if I took over a roster and, and Tamina was on my roster, you know, she does look menacing. You know, so I could see sticking her with an Alexa Bliss type. Yeah, the muscle for, for yeah, for another girl. That works perfect. But that's the extent of it. You know, I'd never put her in, in matches or, or long matches. You know, maybe win a squash now and then or beat somebody up after a match. Or, uh, But that that 
that's the extent of her usefulness to me would be a role like that. Yeah. And now she's like a face too in this weird scenario, which is just not well, this how company I would, never, how I would book to be there, but whatever. <laughs> she should never ever <laughs> Bailey's be a the heel and Tamina's the face. What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, you know, but it, that's WWE. Not, you know, it just, it fucking, we know that this all sucks. <laughs> Garbage. You know, she should never be a babyface, ever. Like, she should be one of those wrestlers. Like, Ricky Steamboat was never a heel. And don't, well, actually, when he did that angle in Ring of Fire, no. Ricky Steamboat was never, it's like, Tamina should never, is someone who should never be anything but a heel. Some wrestlers should just never be anything but a babyface or a heel. You know, Bruno San Martino should have never, ever been a, you know, a heel. Tamina should never be a babyface. Why are we wasting this much time on Tamina? I have no idea. Let's go on to uh, the Universal Championship match here. Braun Strowman defending the title against Bray Wyatt. So it just says Bray Wyatt. It doesn't say The Fiend. Are we going to get a Fiend appearance here, or is this just straight Bray Wyatt? I don't know. All I know is this is cold. <laughs> Great preview. <laughs> this match is just as cold as a fucking what as something that's cold a fucking brick of ice fucking igloo uh you know it's just no it just has no juice i mean nobody cares it has no buzz nobody's talking about it um you know and i watch a little bit of the tv and it's just it and i know it's tricky with no fans and stuff but you know, you can tell when something feels interesting and doesn't feel interesting, and this doesn't feel interesting at all. And I don't think that's just me with my anti-fiend bias or whatever, because I don't really care about anything that Bray Wyatt does. I just get the sense. Do you see anyone talking about this match? No, or? nobody. Yeah, like honestly, you know, there's there's some other matches we can laugh and joke or whatever. But McIntyre and Rollins, like I knew that was coming up. I know the Money in the Bank matches are happening. I know all that sort of stuff. If you honestly put a gun to my head and say Braun Strowman is defending the title at Money in the Bank, who's he facing? I don't know that I would have told you Bray Wyatt. Right away. And, like, I know that they were doing stuff, and I know that there was, like, a little bit of an angle there, but I honestly did not know that we were, like, there, that that match was happening already, that we're supposed to be excited. And, like, who – I mean, is Bray winning this match, too? Because Braun's not really supposed to be the champion. <laughs> he just kind of became the champion because the Roman shit, right? I don't know, and I don't care, and it doesn't matter. How's that for an answer? That definitely works. All right, you want to move on to the uh, WWE Championship match here? Yeah. Drew McIntyre, who uh, won the title, of course, at WrestleMania, defending against the Monday Night Messiah himself, Seth Rollins. Now, see, I think this is ice cold, too. And I think that the Drew McIntyre thing is playing out exactly how I feared. He didn't get his moment. He doesn't feel like a hot champion. He doesn't feel like a star in the making. Ratings are reflecting that. Now, look, you're not going to blame these raw ratings on Drew McIntyre. I mean, obviously, they were tumbling to begin with, number one, for the last. I really think, what do you think of my theory that, look, we know that they've long-term have been losing viewers, right? Yeah, Just of course. Going back, going back years. But I think the true point of no return was the raw after WrestleMania last year where they teased the Seth Rollins Kofi Kingston match in the third hour and then ended up not delivering it. But that's not even my point. Um, you know, it was a bait and switch, but no one watched the third hour anyway. Like to me, the day after they belted up 
Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston, and Becky Lynch, which should have been the start of a fresh era with three hot new babyface champions who all felt hot to some degree. Kofi obviously felt hot coming into WrestleMania. He had to win, and he did. Um, Becky obviously felt like the hottest thing in wrestling. Seth, believe it or not, felt hot at that time. It's hard to believe because his fall from grace was just a straight line downward. It's like he got shoved off a cliff. But all three of them felt hot to some degree. They beat Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, and Daniel Bryan the night before. Right? And then the next night on Raw... It was very obvious with that horrendous rating, the worst Raw after Mania number they did in X amount of years. I don't remember all the particulars, but remember, we talked about it a lot. Yeah. And it just, it just from first hour to third hour, drastic declines even more than they usually see because I think that was the audience saying, we have no interest in Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston, or Becky Lynch. And the reasons for the three are all different. Kofi, obviously, the story ended with Daniel Bryan. That was the end of his story. And people don't see him as a main event guy. He needed to win that, and that was the right call. But he really only held the title as long as he did because they were they were waiting around for Fox. Otherwise, that's a guy who holds the title for a week and then because that story is over. There's no more money in that once he wins. Seth, he just revealed himself to be an absolute geek. And Beck and Becky, I'll shout it from the rooftops until I no longer have a breath in my lungs. Charlotte shouldn't have been in that match. Nope, that killed it. Yeah, that killed it dead. And I don't care who disagrees with me. So my point here is that Raw bombed tremendously, and to me that was the point of no return. And it's really been a downward slide since then. And it was going to happen whether COVID happened or not. It was going to continue to slide. I think COVID and the empty arena stuff – has obviously expedited it and sped it up. Oh, for, no, no doubt. Yeah, I, I like. I, I was talking with some buddies the other day too, and I think I've talked a little bit about this um, on, on Twitter and whatnot with, with some other people because I think uh, and Brandon Thurston's been doing some great work with it as well at WrestleNomics.com at WrestleNomics, um, really talking about it. his most recent WrestleNomics radio episode was was about this topic of like you know we all kind of ass- we're looking at these numbers and obviously yeah he will he'll agree with you as well that this thing was was everything was charting this way for a while. But now things have just completely plummeted. And what it may have been for, for a lot of people, and again, we're just kind of spitballing here. We, I, I have no idea exactly what it is, and we'll find out once things go back to normal or semi-go back to normal, is did it just – was there was this, the, the COVID, the whatever, just the thing that people needed to say, ah, you know what, I'm officially done with this thing. Where they're, they're, they're wavering, some are still latching on, some are kind of, yeah, okay, I'll keep watching a little bit or I'll watch this week, I'll not watch this week. And now this happened, and the, the habit is broken for a lot of people, I think. I mean, these numbers show that. I mean, they are down, what, a, a, a half a million, you know, in, in like a few months. Like how many of those people are honestly going to come back? How many of those people are now going to say, oh, cool, they're back in crowds. All right, I'll watch again. Maybe they come back for one week. Maybe they do. I don't know. But that's, it's never shown that way. It's always shown that when wrestling fans leave, they usually don't come back. They don't come back in droves. When, when, when WCW died, a lot of fans left, and they never came back. Even when TNA died. We, we always talked about it. The old, fails, the old thing with TNA is they would move stations or move time slots or whatever, and I don't know what, like 60% of their fans would come back. And they can they move they move they move they move until the point where they were like really left with like the most hardcore of the hardcore still stayed with them. It habits it habits are tough to break, man. 
I was that way yeah. forever. I mean, from the way, when I was 12 until two years ago, where every single Monday, ah, I got to watch Raw. I might have it on the side. I might not be sitting there enthralled or whatever. But Monday night, 8 p.m., I turned on USA and I watched Raw. That was what I did. That's just what I did every single week. It doesn't even it doesn't even cross my mind anymore to do it. I have it on DVR, and sometimes I'll watch it. Sometimes I just automatically delete it. But that habit has been broken for me, and I'm not going back to it. It's so daunting to go back to it. You've no, talked about that before, too, where like you yeah. s- don't watch it for a week or two or three or a month or whatever. You come back, and you're like, what? In It's just a different universe. It's a different world. It's it's true when you when you get away from it for a while and then try to just put it on, it really smacks you how bad it is and how and you and you sit there and think to yourself, how did I watch this every week? The the, the language they use is jarring when you get away from it for a while, like you know the universe speak. It's very jarring when you distance yourself from it and then get, come back into it, and and just uh yeah, it, it it's hard to get back into, but. I think that's where Drew comes in. I think obviously the number one reason for the, 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 you know, how far they have fallen is obviously the thing. But I think that expedited the inevitable because I really think that Raw after last year's WrestleMania was the tipping point to the quick, you know, to the to to speeding up the decline and then the, the thing happened and forget it. But this is where Drew comes in. I think he's reason number three. And I and I hate saying this because I, by all accounts, he's a good guy, and I have nothing against him. But I never felt like he was a burgeoning star when the fans were around, and I don't feel like people see him as a star now. And I don't feel like they see him as a legitimate ace or world champion or whatever you want to call it. And he's definitely not helping to keep viewers around or to or to. I don't know if there's any one wrestler who could who could prevent this but there's you know i i think it's happening a little faster because there's no crowd connection with drew mcintyre i don't think he's seen at that level so you know i would put him as the you know the number one reason is the covid number two is the years and years of of steady decline and i would put drew number three but way behind the other two reasons you know but let me be clear but i do think He's part of the reason that Raw is, the, is declining. Well, we always say he's not helping. You, you know what I mean? Like, you could say, oh, yeah, well, he's not, not the reason. And I don't think he's the reason, but he's certainly not helping. I mean, the, 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 every single week, these numbers are, like, eye-opening, shocking Rich, when you see Rich, them. The third, the third hour this week is about 100,000 viewers off of the debut of Dynamite. <laughs> right. And, and now they're doing overall numbers that are below several eras of Impact slash TNA. When Impact was touching two million, and believe it or not, at points they were touching two million. Yeah, yeah, and it's a different rest, it's, it's a different world. The TV world is different, but still, that's eye opening. Ah, you know what? I'm so tired of hearing that too, though, because it, to some extent it is. People watching this Bulls documentary on ESPN, Rich, they watching that? Oh, they're watching that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are people? There's going to be a schedule to as we're we're recording this on on Thursday tonight. There's going to be some NFL schedule reveal where some guys on a Zoom call just name a bunch of football teams for three hours and that shit's gonna have ungodly ridiculous ratings huge rich we we just had the most excuse me we just had the 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 highest rated nfl draft in the history of the nfl draft two weeks ago so you can kind of save that i mean i understand that slowly people are moving away from tv but that is not the reason not even close to the primary if drew mcintyre is number three 
the erosion of the television audience is like number four, and it's way behind McIntyre. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I wasn't trying is, to say that like things are complete. I'm, I'm just saying like that I is a different that, world in a I lot know. of ways. But I know people use that as an excuse. I'm like, oh, they well, do. no one's watching cable anymore. And, I'm, and I always say, okay, well, everyone reattaches their cables when there's something big on. When there's a fucking when the last dance is on, somehow everyone goes, oh, fuck, <laughs> gets their cable back together and gets it going. Like you know, I, you know, ESPN's numbers are up in this April compared to where they were last year. Up. Yeah, and there's nothing going on except and when the big ticket stuff happens. NFL draft, last dance, whatever the fuck the schedule reveal tonight is going to be. MLB draft, I'm sure, is going to do well because people are just starving for anything. I, when something's compelling, people show up. It's bottom line. And WWE just isn't compelling right now. And part of that reason is Drew McIntyre is not a compelling star. Rich, I was cold on him before all of this happened. You know yeah, that. Yeah, and I think the the one thing with Drew is he never – I don't think he ever really had a chance to connect with any audience before all this happened. And that's why we said even when, when when you know the idea of him winning at WrestleMania, we had a big, long discussion about that, why that might not be the best idea for him. That maybe hold it off, wait until things get back to normal because what you do is essentially you, you had a few – I don't know, a few scant weeks, maybe a month or so where he was building and building building. Well, now he's your guy, but like the fans have no connection to that guy whatsoever. None, no. especially if you're just a WWE guy. Like, I think he, some people that followed him on the indies or whatnot and, and that sort of stuff, yeah, you might say, hey, that's awesome. That Drew Mc... But, like, you're WWE Universe fan. What connection do they have to Drew McIntyre whatsoever? I mean, he's a guy who needed to beat Brock the way that he beat him. The win was strong. Yeah. If that would have happened in front of fans, Rich, I don't know. Maybe he catches on. It's impossible to say. I lean no. But look, the right match booked the right way with the right guy. I mean, that's pro wrestling. That's how you get. So who knows? Maybe that would have worked in front of 60,000 in Tampa. Maybe that would have been an iconic moment, standing on that turnbuckle. And, and, and it would have gotten him over, you know, in one night as a true ratings mover. Top star, ace, world champion. I don't think people see him as that. And like you're saying, let's be kind and just say, at minimum, I don't think Drew McIntyre is helping the WWE ratings issues. But, you know, the COVID and the and the dire, empty arena setting is obviously what's hurting them the most. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And 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 the other point, too, with, the, with you know, bringing up impact and bringing up where we are, it's like people have a tough time realizing this because a lot of people that obviously follow us or listen to these shows or whatnot and obviously we appreciate everybody and it's awesome but like we're a niche of a niche now nobody watch like very few people watch wrestling anymore you know on a grand scheme no one's watching this shit that's why when i when i bring up and you bring up impact and whatnot i said it's a different world different world because more a ton more people watch wrestling in 2010 and 2005 and you know (laughs) <laughs> the 90s or whatever that that's so far gone it's not even important to bring and, up the 90s and, and, anymore so yeah, 10, get, 10 years ago there was double the amount of wrestling fans than there are right now yeah and blaming television erosion that doesn't that doesn't fly when wwe's ratings are falling at a quicker rate than the rest of television right that's why when people bring that up it's just it's it's an empty excuse that doesn't hold any water it doesn't hold up to any scrutiny when their ratings fall faster than the rest of – than the networks that they're on and the rest of television as a whole. I mean the data is out there. The charts are out there. WrestleNomics is right here on this podcast network. And you know Brandon puts a lot of work into that stuff. Mookie before him. 
And it's why Mookie has the job he does. Not because he was bad at that. <laughs> not because WrestleNomics, <laughs> not because WrestleNomics wasn't good at what they did. That's not how he got that job. Okay. Mookie didn't get that job because he fucked around on the observer board and did WWE wrestler win loss records. He's good at that too, but he got that job because of WrestleNomics and the work he did there and and the and, and the analyzation they did and, and Brandon's, you know, carrying that forward. I mean, the facts are out there if you want them. So yeah, that doesn't hold any water. But I'm kind of preaching to the choir with our audience. Because they are also a lot of these people are the WrestleNomics audience, and they've been our audience for eight years. And I mean, we just and you know, but but Drew and Seth, I mean, this match feels cold to me too. So um, I just feel bad for Drew McIntyre. He look, he never had a fair chance, and I feel like when crowds come back, I don't know if necessarily they'll make him a scapegoat, but. It's going to be hard for them to not be tempted to switch gears to someone else, whoever that might be, uh, you know, when they get the crowds back because of the state that they're in, because you're going to have to make moves. Yeah, you feel like he's going to be the the guy that gets reset on. You know what I mean? Like someone's going to go in there, beat him, and then it's like, all right, the new era of WWE, the fans, are, you know, it, it feels like he's that guy, that he's bridging this gap right now, and then when things are back to normal, whoever it's going to be. And, and the problem is that there's no, like... It, it's a systemic issue too with WWE is like that there and and there's nobody on the show, like you said, no no one's Drew McIntyre is not helping the ratings. Is he hurting the ratings? Whatever. If 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 he is, he is. He's not helping. There's nobody though. There's nobody that they could bring on here and say, okay, you know what, things aren't going well, but let's get blank out here. Yeah, uh, there's you, no you, crowd. You, you get fans and you go back to Brock. You go. You that's you one, that and people are gonna get upset about that, but that's exactly the point I was gonna make is that when they're when the fans are back. The first call Vince McMahon makes is to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar goes in there, fucking destroys Drew McIntyre, and, and we have a new era, quote unquote. Are you, are I mean, it's gonna. I mean, you're lying to yourself. You think that's not gonna? There's no more bullets in the chamber for Vince. Brock is the last bastion of Vince. There's nobody else. Who else? You call Brock. You call Ronda. Um, Rock ain't you know, coming. Rock ain't answering those phones. Well, well, the Rock. The Rock showed up for SmackDown. You can call Rock. He'll show up. He'll he'll smile but, but, and promote a movie, and then get the fuck out of there. I think. But yeah, well, those are the people you call. Do you call those three? That I mean, that's what you do. And maybe Roman being gone for a while freshens him up a little and makes people excited to see him. And you know, you save him until the fans are back if he's willing to come back that early. He might want to sit it out a little longer. Who knows if he wants to come back for twenty five percent capacity shows? Look, we can't predict tomorrow, let alone six months from now. But, you know, th- th- those are the people you – I just – I feel like the ratings aren't going to get better. At, at, at best, they stay where they're at. I think they go lower. So how do you re- maintain status quo when you come back? No, you got to make moves and take advantage of the fact that, okay, life is back to normal. People are a little more excited. We're going to have fan- – we got to do a big shakeup. Drew's going to be a victim of that. And, again, I, I – I never felt in my gut that he was going to work out as as a top guy, but I am. But I am disappointed that he never got the fair shot. Yeah, you know, if he got the fair shot and it didn't work out, he'd hardly be the first one. There's dozens and dozens of wrestlers historically who got that shot and it just didn't work out. You know, uh, whether it's Lex Luger right in this company, that's one off the top of my head. You can think of a million of them, Rich, but it's like. He never got a fair shot. I don't know. 
Maybe he'll lose to Seth Rollins right here. Who knows? Yeah. yeah fuck. Who knows? Um, all right. And then our main event, I think. I have no idea how to even preview this or what the hell to say. Uh, we have two Money in the Bank ladder matches that will be going on at the exact same time on the roof of the WWE headquarters. That is a real sentence that I just said. <laughs> that is not false. I promise you, everything I said there was true. Uh, it's Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, or Carmella on the women's side. Dana Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, King Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles on the men's side. I mean, I, okay, let me, let, let's me let approach it from this angle. We've picked on the company a lot. Yeah, can I, real quickly, though, I, for people that don't know, the, uh, they're doing a corporate ladder gimmick, which is ironic <laughs> the COVID and the releases and all that sort of stuff so um the participants must travel from the ground floor of the building to the roof where the briefcase will be suspended above a ring on the roof so I, I want to preface that we'll be doing brawling throughout the offices as well so okay carry on yeah it's you know we've picked on them a lot but I I, I will say this I don't know what this is going to look like none of us do maybe it'll be fun bad maybe it'll be legitimately entertaining and maybe it'll be downright awful or maybe it'll be one of those things where the kind of fan who enjoyed the Carrion Cross, Scarlet Bordeaux, lip syncing, and AJ Styles literally being murdered by The Undertaker enjoy it. And people like us hate it. It could be any of those things or anything in between. But what I will give them credit for is they've – I'm interested on Sunday to see what it's going to look like. So I think from that perspective, they've got people interested. Is that going to lead to some network subscriptions? I don't know. Probably not. But I mean, shit, at least it's a creative outside-the-box idea. Instead of just doing these two matches inside of an empty performance center like the rest of the matches and and having these people climb ladders to silence, (sighs) can we at least give them credit for thinking outside the box and trying something different that, in all likelihood, grumpy fucks like me and you are going to come on here next week and, and laugh at it and bury it. But is it the worst idea in the world to try something goofy like this? I, yeah, I don't know. no, like I'm, I'm infinitely more excited about watching this than I would be about a women's ladder match in an empty arena. You just know what I'm saying? See, if nothing else, just to see what it's going to look like. Right. And, and I'm sure like, yeah, like you said, at, when at the end of the day, we're going to be grumpy fucks and roll our eyes and go, that was stupid. And a bunch of people on Twitter are going to say, oh, every wrestling event should be a corporate ladder match. Now, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And we'll rinse and repeat. And then, you know, a week later, nobody will be saying that anymore. And there'll be a bunch of fucking articles about how this has changed wrestling. And wrestling is different now. And you and I will come out here and we'll say it fucking stunk rich. It was garbage rich. It was stupid. I just want to watch guys you know wrestle each other and whatnot and it's rinse and repeat but yeah with that being said a hundred percent times more interested in seeing this than just a generic ass ladder match in, in in an empty arena so i want to see how they pull it off i will watch it i'm probably gonna think it's stupid i'm probably gonna roll my eyes a bunch of times but no i'm i'm with you i think this is a way 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 better idea than just saying hey here's two ladder matches in an empty warehouse you know i was just thinking we can probably now hear me out on this this, this kind of I'm, – I'm ruining this because I'm telling the audience. This would work better if, if I didn't say anything. We could probably record next week's review of this match today and then just copy and paste the names in later. <laughs> probably could. Because all that stuff you said is what we're going to say. Ah, why can't we just have two people who don't like <laughs> Daniel Bryan. I just want to see Daniel Bryan go in the ring and have a wrestling match. And then we can just copy and paste the names in and go – when 
Alistair Black. Climb the ladder, Rich. And Rey Mysterio. Pull them off the ladder. Like, we just could just put the names in later because our rant is going to be the same, right? And we don't even really need to talk about them. But we could do that today because lock it in. Next week, every one of you are going to be listening to the same rant we always go on. I don't know where else to go with this stuff. Unless they surprise me and this thing is genuinely entertaining. Which, believe it or not, like everything else, I will try my best to enter this with an open mind. But do I think that this is going to be good? I mean, probably not. I mean, they're already threatening to throw people off the side of the building. Yeah, AJ Styles will be thrown off the top of this building. Where they're going to plummet to their death. Yes. And that is where you lose me. I cannot <laughs> get behind that. Uh, I just want to see AJ Styles falling off the side. At this point, this company is such utter fucking bullshit and trash that honestly, I want AJ Styles. I want Rey Mysterio to throw AJ Styles off the side of this building, us to get a shot of AJ Styles with his arms filling in the air, going, oh, and then falling into the ground. Yeah. And then an anvil hitting him in the head. And then a cut Why to Rey Mysterio, you know, walking away. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. And then he shows yeah. up next week. Hey, I fell off a building, but I'm back here. <laughs> like, yeah. fuck it. It's so bad anyway. Why not? Why not at this point? So they're going to be happening at the same time. Yes. So we're going to see Rey Mysterio hopping off somebody's desk to do a Hurricane Rana. And then we're going to cut to Nia Jax, you know, throwing Carmella into the Xerox machine. Do they still have Xerox machines in Uh, office? You know, I'll be honest. I have no idea. I had to um, (laughs) to use the copier at our work, Uh, uh, obviously, when when we were there. And yeah. I didn't know how to use it, and I had to, like, it was it was one of these reverse moments where I had to ask, like, the old, like, kind of secretary we have at our work. I was like, hey, yeah. uh, Donna, can you show me how the copier works? And she's like, oh, interesting. Right. And I'm like, I know, because she's asked me, like, a thousand times, hey, my phone doesn't work, and just throws it, do this, or how does this work, or whatever, because I'm, like, the, t- you know, the, the back end, you know, ah, hey, yeah, here's how you do this, or, and I'm like, I have, I'm, I'm at this machine, I'm like, what the fuck, I'm just trying to make a copy, what do I do? And, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if there, I don't know if there's, quote-unquote, Xerox machines anymore, but there's, I guess there's still copy machines, I don't I have no idea, who knows. That reminds me of an unnamed wrestling commentator who uh, I gave some notes to one time via email. (laughs) And he emailed me back and he said, Joe, these are some great notes. Can you tell me how to print these? I'm like, dude, I I don't I'm not I I don't know how to use your computer guy. I I can come press that button for you. But I, you know, try uh, control P. Yeah, I mean, there's usually an icon somewhere. What do you want me to tell you? I don't, <laughs> you know, like, this is really hard for me, like, via email. Yeah, I mean, imagine you yeah. being in that position, too, of all people. That That's great, too, where, where you have somebody that, like, it, it probably made you feel pretty good. Because you're usually like, Rich, how the fuck, yeah, this isn't working, and, like, now you have the yeah, next level I mean, where it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. It's like, usually, though, that's like when we're using some kind of new yeah up. yeah I, I have some pretty technical stuff I'm, I'm trying to have you do but yeah yeah and it's like i've never used this program before or this the gimmick we're doing but i mean it's like i couldn't help the guy with that one i'm like listen you're gonna have to get someone in your house to show you where to, to just fucking click right click the icon i don't know what to tell you you know but uh yeah so anyway um i don't know i mean it should be interesting 
at minimum. What do we? What do you want me to say here? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, there's no way to preview it. It's like I said with Otis, WrestleMania. Otis, it's Otis. like yeah, Otis, Otis will be there. is in the match. Otis is in the match. I'm already annoyed. I would say Otis would be creepy to all the women in the match because they're they're wrestling at the same time. But he's he's got his girl now, so I think he I think he'll be okay. But he, he'll probably grunt a lot and stuff. So yeah, he's gonna go up to Dana Brooke. Go, oh yeah, you know, and it, it, stakes and weights, you know, and grunting is there <laughs> making noises and <laughs> fucking. Oh I mean, my god! I can't wait to see like Rey Mysterio is definitely they're gonna like. Put Rey Mysterio on like a, a conference room table and then drag him all the way down, and a bunch of water bottles are gonna fall off and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other like office hijinks that can happen. Someone's arm gets stuck in the elevator or something. Yeah, I, I mean, someone's falling off that building, right? AJ Styles is 100 falling off that building. They already teased it. They said they're gonna throw <laughs> each other off the side of the building. So, um, there's people that ironically pretend that like the monster truck thing with hogan and big show was good yeah well that's what i mean like we're gonna oh, have that thing like, we're gonna have it this weekend where people are like oh that's genius wrestling is saved this is and it's like we went through this already and it was a fucking disaster in 1995 it was uh, a joke yeah so stop, I, uh, up rocks stop <laughs> like chill out just i'm just i mean i'm not looking forward to it but this is what we're in for but um I do have morbid curiosity. There's a curiosity. Yeah, there. you got to embrace this the, the the ridiculousness of it all, and and that will maybe help this match a little bit. If we just go in knowing that, like, hey, look, turn off. But that's the problem is a lot of people say, "Oh, just turn off your brain." And what? But like, that's not what we do on this show. That's not ever been what we've done. We're not the turn off your brain wrestling podcast. I mean, I just, I just tell you what I think, man. And I, I you know, it's not my fault that they suck. I don't know what people want from us sometimes, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I do try to be positive when we do these previews and you're usually the one that just gets frustrated and starts hemming and hawing and then you drag me down with you and then I go, yeah, you know what? This does fucking suck. You know, what are we doing here? Like, what do you want me to say? You know, but I do, I do give it an honest try, but fucking sucks. It sucks. I, I don't know. But I think like you said, it's just, it's a parody of pro wrestling now. I think you made that point, and Daniel Bryan made that point in his his book, I think, or somewhere. It's just you have to approach this company like it's a parody of pro wrestling, and then it kind of opens things up for you. But the whole thing about that is I don't want to watch a parody of pro wrestling. You know, Even though I may agree that that's what this company is, that doesn't mean like that's going to help me enjoy it. It's just going to help me hate it less because then I know not to take it seriously and keep it at arm's length. But – if someone pitched to me, hey, how about we make this promotion, right, and we make it a parody of pro wrestling, even if that was, like, the stated premise, it's not something I'd enjoy. I'd roll my eyes and say, ah, it's, it's, I'm not going to watch that. It sounds terrible. So um, uh, let's just move on. I, I don't want to do this That's anymore. It. Yeah, we're, we're done here. This is why we usually move this to the end. <laughs> right? and, we just want to get through it as quick as we have too much time to like kind of work ourselves through it. And, and mostly it does better when we just don't let ourselves have the time. And I say, Joe, we have 10 minutes. Let's fucking just talk about it and get it over with. Um, I would say we uh, you can go check out a preview at voicesofwrestling.com, but I forgot to uh, do a preview this month. So there's not one up there. So <laughs> when you only find out about the pay-per-view a day, what would we write? Honestly, do you want to read a preview about this fucking show? Let's be honest. Oh. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, what uh, are we going to write? I'm not going to have Steve Case have to fucking try to explain this ladder match. You know, like, it's not going to happen. So there's no preview at voicewrestling.com. Maybe Tucky. there'll be a review. I don't know. Probably. Yeah, we'll try to do a review. What happened to Tucky? What's going to happen to Tucky? Who? Otis's partner, Tucker. Oh, I don't know. He's not there. He's a forgotten son now, apparently. No, he's not. But He could be and no one would know the difference. <laughs> right? <laughs> like if um, Steve Cutler got replaced by Tucker, would anybody ever would, know? How, like, how many weeks would yeah. it take before somebody said, wait a minute, that's Tucker? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm not, you know, I mean, he's not ripped like those guys, but you put him in that fucking, fucking. Yeah, he puts a leather jacket on and grows a little bit of a beard. You gear. would never know. Yeah, you would never know. No, you, you could slide him right in, you know? Uh, before we get to uh, AEW, I did want, you, you mentioned Tamina Snooker earlier, because uh, she's obviously going for the women's championship on uh, on SmackDown. We, we, I forgot to put this in our show notes, but we wanted to touch on uh, Dark Side of the Ring uh, a little bit in season two. How much of season two have you seen? How many episodes? Uh, of this season of Dark Side of the Ring, have you seen all of it? You've seen everything. Okay, so what what have been your highlights so far? Because we wanted to talk about this a few weeks ago. We're waiting for a week where we didn't have a ton to to, to do. But uh, what what have you thought so far of, of this season? Um, I've seen none of the first season, so this is all my first exposure to Dark Side, and it's exactly how you described it to me last year. They're well done, and you won't learn anything. I don't feel like I've learned anything watching any of these because I knew all these stories and you know, the, the, the story or two where I thought I would learn something I didn't like the Dino Bravo one. Mm-hmm. I didn't really learn anything. That's all the stuff that like, I knew that he was murdered gangland style because of a dispute over cigarettes. Like pro wrestling illustrated wrote about that at, like in real time, like a kayfabe magazine. So it was like, I didn't learn anything from that episode, but um, I enjoyed it just like I enjoyed all the others. It's just, if you're a super pro wrestling nerd, like we are, and I would assume a lot of our listeners are, if you, with some of these stories, it's like, you're going to come into them and they're going to be well done, but you're almost never going to be hit with new information. That's all. Um, they're interesting watches, and as soon as they happen, I watch them. Like I just watched Herb Abrams last night, and again, I didn't learn much. You know, it's it's everything I kind of already knew about Herb Abrams, but that doesn't mean that I don't find these interesting. Um, the most interesting one to me, honestly, was the Benoit two-parter because I sat TLB down, who was a complete blank slate, and had her watch it because she's into shit like that anyway. Just sit there and watch ID Network and watch all these, you know. These... So I figured she'd she be big, Is she a big Joe Kenda fan, Homicide Hunter? I don't fucking know who ask that is. Ask her. Right? She'll, she'll know about that. It's great. I'll job. ask her. But um, so I sat her down to watch it and um, it, it, complete blank slate. I mean, she knows zero about pro wrestling other than like she thinks The Rock is hot and she knows that he was a wrestler. That's the only thing she knows about wrestling. But it's like she watched that and – got emotional you know she she you know with with daniel you know i we all know why she you know but it's like and that made me emotional seeing her emotional so to me that's been the best part of the season 
um, you know, making my wife cry has been the best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful, but like you get what I'm saying. Like right, just right. sharing that story with my wife and then, you know, having a conversation about my little corner of the world that she has no interest in or knowledge of whatsoever, you know? So, um, from that perspective, but, but yeah, they're all well done. I think what I enjoy most about them are the little, or the, are the, the actors they get to portray the wrestlers. And then you get that shadowy footage. Yeah. And they're like, perfect. They're like, oh my God, <laughs> they're unbelievable. So well I, the entire time I'm thinking, man, how did they get somebody that perfect to be that guy? It's so great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so well done. Like, the gear and the outfit. Like, the Dino Bravo one where they have him walking in the locker room and that, that earthquake. Did you see the oh, earthquake? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. I'm like, they had they found a giant man with a skullet. <laughs> like, where do you find a guy like that? <laughs> Incredible. You know? It's, uh, it's, yeah, that that's always... Uh, you know, something stupid that I that I pay attention to when I'm watching these. Yeah, I but, do the uh, guess the indie worker that might be portraying that guy game. But well, sometimes answer, it could be actors and stuff too, but yeah, it's tough. The answer is always Tyson Dukes. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> but uh but yeah, they're good. I mean, they're, they're well done. And I think that, you know, if you if you divorce yourself from reading these stories for the last 20 years just and, and knowing everything about them, I could definitely see non-fans or casual fans mm. learning a lot from them. Um, and I don't really have a lot of complaints about the way they've approached the stories. You know, knowing the stories, I thought they approached Snooka very well. I thought they did a good job with Snooka. Uh, they're always limited by the hour. I know Benoit was two parts. Um, you know, Benoit had some problems with the second part, but nothing, um, you know, major. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think they're well done. I think they do a great job. I'm just not learning anything. Right. Yeah. And I'm kind of the same way uh, as well. And that's, that's, you know, I, I, when you didn't watch season one, but I, yeah, I remember telling you uh, that the show, and I remember telling anybody that asked me about it, I always say, well, if you're a huge wrestling fan, you're going to enjoy them, but you're not going to learn anything. And if you're a casual wrestling fan or you're not a wrestling fan at all, you're probably going to learn a lot and it's going to be a lot of fun. And my phone blows up when these shows are done because all my friends are watching it. All my like casual, all the friends I grew up watching wrestling with that have that don't watch it anymore or don't go to this website or don't listen anymore. They watch that shit every single week and they're learning something every single time. They're they're saying, "Oh my god, that I I knew nothing about Herb Abrams and they're asking me questions. I'm getting flooded with questions that sort of stuff." And that's cool. Like that that's the target audience for this show. And I'm glad that it's doing well too. I mean, this this season too, the ratings are pretty damn good for it. I mean, I know the um the Benoit episodes right out of the gates did did really well, but then like the, the David Schultz episode I know did did pretty great as well. And like yeah, things are it, it, it's an upward trend, and that's really cool. The idea that more people are discovering the show, more people are watching the show, uh, and everybody is kind of checking it out is, is is really fun and really cool. So I'm glad that that people are, are are checking in. I'm the same way. Like I I am immensely entertained by the show, but when it's over, I'm never learning anything new. I think the only one, and, and I would actually recommend you check this one out as well, because this was the one where I really didn't know the entire story and learned a lot about it, uh, was the Gino Hernandez one in season one. They do an entire thing about the death of Gino Hernandez, and that one is really cool, because that's a story that I came in going, I know nothing about Gino Hernandez. Let's see. like I know of the name. I've seen him wrestle a few times, but I don't know anything about the story, and that's one that I learned a lot about. But, like, yeah. Jimmy Snuka, I mean, what more am I going to learn about Jimmy Snuka? What more am I going to learn about New Jack? You know, what more am I going to learn about Benoit? And that's fine. It's not for us. It's not for Joe and Rich. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like not for those types of wrestling fans, but for your casual fans or for, and, and I'm going to even say like even for Joe and Rich, they're still entertaining because they're very well done. 
they're decent one-hour shows where you can kick back and just kind of enjoy the story of how ridiculous this world is and how ridiculous wrestling is. So, so that's beneficial. So I've, I've enjoyed watching it. It's just like you said, it, it's, I think I've been maybe slightly disappointed that like the episodes that I thought I would learn a lot in, I didn't learn a lot in, but I get why maybe they're not going to go deeper than what they need to. They're going to go with, and, and I think maybe for the fans that don't know anything, they are pretty deep, but for you and I, the giant wrestling nerds that know everything, what are these guys going to know that we don't know? You, you know what I mean? I think they do go deep. It's just we've already gone deep on a lot of this right. stuff. Right. We're just we're, we're idiots that read everything and know everything and do all that sort of shit. But like, yeah, we're not normal. We're not the normal viewing audience of this thing. Yeah. So I I, I don't even have that. I like I do think they're going deep. Um. You know, New Jack worked them a little bit. Um. Like. <sighs> New Jack did not throw Vic Grimes off of that scaffold. I mean, oh, come on. You could, you know, it's are you like. Are you telling me New Jack is lying about something? Get out of here. I, I'm just, New Jack is great. I mean, I, I've got New Jack stories. Tell me Jerome Young <laughs> would lie to these producers. Like, I don't have personal, like, okay. So I have personal New Jack stories, but not personal New Jack stories. In other words, I have experiences with New Jack as part of collective crowds. Right. You and New Jack didn't go and do something. Right. He doesn't know me from anyone. But I'm just saying, like... That's good. You want it that way, I think. Yeah. I have... But I don't want people to say... To think that I'm, like, trying to name drop or something. Because I'm not. But I'm just saying, like... I have stories of New Jack... You know, coming out to greet the line. Waiting to get into the ECW arena and stuff like that. That... Yeah, I, I, I would... I'm not going to tell them on... I can't tell them on the air. I mean... But it's like... New Jack's great. I mean, he's just... You know, he's great from the sense that... He's a character. I mean, he's done some deplorable things, obviously. But, like, he didn't throw Vic Grimes off that fucking scaffold. Vic Grimes jumps off of the scaffold. They were doing a spot. And, you know, did New Jack give him a little extra shove, maybe? Or did New Jack... Do I think New Jack cared if Vic Grimes would have landed on the concrete and died? Probably not. But do I think New Jack threw the man off of the scaffold like he tells the story and how that story has been told over? No. They were doing a spot, and Grimes almost missed, and you know Grimes came inches from death. Um, the other one I had a minor. Oh, you know the Doctor Death one, uh, Doctor D one, Doctor D David Schultz. I mean, it's like no one's gonna call him, and, I, and you know I'm gonna call out Cornette too because then he had David Schultz on his podcast, you know, a couple days later. And Schultz keeps telling this story that he was blacklisted from wrestling, and it's like no one's going to call him out on this. Like, I know Meltzer did, but not directly. But no one in the dock, and Jim Cornette did a bad job here because Dr. D went on Cornette's show and was like, yeah, I got blacklisted, and I couldn't get work because Vince told everyone not to hire me or he wouldn't work with them anymore. But at that point in history, they all hated Vince anyway. Vince, Vince couldn't call up Jim Crockett and tell him, hey, yeah, don't don't hire this guy. He's ruining the business. He, they that most guys in wrestling would have hired him if Vince told him he didn't want him to get hired. <laughs> you know, the opposite. Yeah, like his story is Vince was telling these guys, "I'm not going to work with you anymore." But Vince wasn't working with them. He was trying to put them out of business, and they all understood that. Um, him not getting work after that is because people thought he was a loose cannon and dangerous to have around, and um, you know, he just he, and wasn't a big enough star to be worth the trouble. You know. Think about it. These are pro wrestling promoters in the 80s, okay? 
you would think that a guy who had all of that publicity, even though it was negative, you know, would have gotten hired quickly. The problem is they felt like he he's just a, too much of a loose cannon. Vince doesn't have any power over those promoters at that time. They all hated him. He was at odds with all of them. He was st- he's stealing their wrestlers left and right and stealing their TV time. He's not going to call in a, you know, these promoters around hey, the country. Hey, Jim, Vince here. Yeah. How's it going, pal? <laughs> hey, sorry for the, the whole uh, Starcade thing and <laughs> trying to get you off uh, pay-per-view. Hey, uh, don't hire David Schultz, all right? Thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Don't hire David Schultz or else I'll <laughs> right. keep trying to I'll put you I'll keep out. put you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll continue making sure that you can't grow your business. Yeah. But, like, I'm listening to Cor- him tell Cornette that story. And I could feel Cornette in it, knowing that it's bullshit, but he didn't call him out on it. And I guess he just didn't want to go down that road. Every interview has its own tone, and I guess he didn't want to get confrontational with the guy or get sidetracked. So, but Jim Cornette knows <laughs> that Vince McMahon didn't have that kind of power over rival promoters at that time. But outside of that, and then the problem with that is it just, then it, hurts the guy's credibility for the other things that he's saying. You know what I mean? Like, unless he truly believes that that's why, that he was blackballed in that mm-hmm. manner. But then look at the, re- like, he worked other territories after that. Right, it's he went like- back to Memphis, he did a bunch of stuff, he was in Canada, he was in Japan, he was all over the place after that, yeah. So the story doesn't even add up anyway. Like, he, he immediately got work. And a lot of times it was because of what happened. In Japan, they copied the angle. I mean, you know, they well, tried he, worked, to he even worked in WWF after the, the Stossel thing. That's the other part, too, that they did a, a pretty bad job of kind of telling the entire tale is that, you know, he, he was back there not that long after doing the shit with Mr. T and, and, and stuff. Yeah. And then he, he obviously he fucked that all up and then nobody wanted him anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. And, and, you know, that's the other thing, too, like the Mr. T story and the details there and who knows. Um, but, yeah, so these are minor gripes. You know, you can nitpick. Yeah, for sure. But overall, I think they they do a, they do do a very good job. I was a little disappointed in Dino. I thought, yeah, we... Dino sucked. Yeah, that, that's the one that I was really, and I I think I told you off air, like, man, I'm licking my chops at Dino Bravo because I know a little bit of the story, but I'm like, man, this has needed a deep dive. This has needed some research. This has needed everything. And the entire documentary is like, hey, Dino Bravo, this is what he was, and then he got murdered, and here's his daughter crying, and I'm like, ah, man, <laughs> I, I know he got murdered. I know. Like, give me the juicy details. Let's go. And there wasn't any of that, so. Yeah, wife and daughter still living well, just like an ex-mob family would, right? You notice that? Oh, they were doing okay. Yeah, they looked like they were doing fine. So yeah, they weren't living in a hut in uh, you know the worst part of Montreal. They're they're living well. That 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 uh, what's Bravo's last name? Uh, what's his really some kind uh, of Bres- Bresciano or sorry Brescanio or I forget yeah. exactly what it is, but yeah. So um, you know, hardcore fucking french canadian italian mobster i mean yeah that weird, was yeah right? some of those guys they interviewed man i was yeah. like fuck i would never like bad motherfuckers you know? never even cry if those guys are walking on the street i'm walking on the other i don't want to get caught up in anything with those dudes like, these are the kind of guys who kick in your door when you're in your easy chair watching a fucking hockey game and they put 19 bullets in you and that's exactly what happened so um you know that's some real life soprano shit right there you know but uh yeah, I just thought we'd learn more details on it, and I learned zero. Yeah, I learned absolutely yeah. nothing. You know, you, you know the whole backstory with him booking, uh, you know, uh, the territory up there, and then uh, coming in, and yeah, a lot of fluff. And Martell wouldn't participate, which was interesting. They couldn't get Rick Martell, so then they're using footage off of like his fucking 
you know, uh, I guess like smart mark video shoots instead because they couldn't get them. Um, if, if you're Martell in that situation, you almost want to show up so you can craft your own narrative as opposed to having them pull like file footage. Yeah, right, right. Then, then you can't control what's coming out of your mouth. You know, you know, if I'm Martell and I don't want to talk about this for whatever reason, okay, I show up and I just don't give them a ton, you know, and, and then that eliminates them digging for quotes. So, you know, I, that, you're not playing that very smart, in my opinion. If you've got something to hide or you don't want to be involved, just show up and do the bare minimum, you know. Um, so I thought it was interesting because they usually get who they want as long as they're not involved with WWE. So um, that was kind of notable that Martel didn't, didn't want to participate. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're pretty good. I mean, um, yeah, I think you'll learn something if you don't know anything about it coming in. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the Abrams episode a lot because – uh, it's nothing that I didn't know, but he's such a ridiculous figure and such a ridiculous man that, like, what I think what I learned most in that one is how much he had touched the people that he was involved with. That's what got me. I thought everybody would go on here and be like, hey, this coked out weirdo, what a weird guy this guy was. What a, You know, but, like, even Mick Foley is just kind of like, yeah, he was an endearing fella. And you got, you know, the, the guys that worked with him in UWF were, like, all very heartbroken when he died or whatnot. And maybe it's because he paid him a shit ton of money over the time. But, like, I really kind of thought that the tone would be more, hey, this guy's so wild and so silly. Like, oh, of course he died. But, like, it was – it seemed to be a little more tragic for those people than I expected it to be. So that was kind of cool. And that, and that was an episode, too, that I'm watching and Michelle's sitting next to me and she's just fucking around on her phone. She doesn't care. And she starts hearing these details and looks up and goes, wait, what's going on? Like, this guy was doing what? And I'm like, yeah, this is that's her favorite. I'm like, so that was kind of cool. Like you said, we're, we're, you know, sometimes sitting in front of a non-wrestling fan and watching it is, is, is kind of fun. Yeah, because she then, her interest got peaked. And she's like, wait a minute, what? And I was like, oh, just wait. And yeah, once she learned about how he died and stuff, it was just, yeah, it was. It was so she enjoyed that episode a lot. But yeah, it, I didn't learn anything new about her Abrams, But I thought that was a pretty well done episode uh, on a topic that, um, it doesn't really get a ton of publicity, but it was pretty pretty fun to kind of go down the path of, of, of Herb. Yeah, covered in Vaseline and the Coke. I mean, that's that's a story that's been out there for decades, of, you know, of him dying in that manner. But, um, you know, when are they going to do Mel Phillips and, uh, you know, and, and, and Pat Patterson and Rita Chatterton? Yeah, well, that's kind of one of the one – of the, one of the issues with the show is I think they don't want to fly too close to the sun and get too much – because they're never going to – I mean – I mean, why? Fuck them. What do they I agree. To- I agree. But they're, even, even the Jimmy Snooker thing, they're dancing around the Jimmy Snooker thing. You, you know, like, I, I don't know why. I don't know if they're worried about getting smacked down by, by WWE or something, or they're worried about access or whatever it is. But, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised that they haven't done that uh, either, that we're getting stuff for about the Brawl for All, which, like, who fucking cares? You know what I mean? Like, the Brawl for All episode was fine, but it's, who cares? It's not the dark side of the ring. That's just a funny, stupid thing that happened. But, yeah, like, Mel Phillips, the Pat Patterson, that, that sort of shit. Um yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, um, I like the brawl for all one, but it did. You're right though; it didn't really fit the the tone of the series. Um, it's not dark side of the ring; it's just stupid shit that happened in wrestling. <laughs> you know, like that's a different that's a different show. Just a really bad idea, but it wasn't anything that was nefarious or, um, you know, I it wasn't. Yeah, I don't think you know they didn't think it was going to go horribly wrong in that manner, and um. But like nobody lost their life, uh, it didn't, you know. So yeah, it d- didn't fit the tone of the series. But I'm I'm really curious on the Owen Hart one. That's the one that's really going to tell us: Are you guys really willing to 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 really f- go? If you're willing to go at it and go at WWE and really explore, then yeah, like you said, then the, the Mel Phillips stuff, then like all that's all in play for season three. 
For sure. Well, they, they implied that Vince paid off the cops in the Snooker thing, and and um, I, I feel like they went after him in that. You think they could have went after him harder? In that I think one? a little harder than that. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, um, yeah, maybe. But I, I don't. I don't think they glossed over. You know, Vince's. Um, it was a lot easier in 1980. What three? 82 or 83? Whatever it was, 83. I think. 84, maybe? It wasn't 84. It was I think it was, it was 83, I believe. Um, yeah, it was a little easier to, to cover stuff up and, and pay people off. and Not that that doesn't happen today, but, um, you know, they talked about going in with the briefcase and coming out without it, all those sorts of things. So, right, right. Um, I don't know that they're scared of Vince. I mean, he can't do anything to them. I, I guess technically – I mean, I guess it's all in how you present these stories. I mean, you don't want to, you know, you think he would, he would come at them legally if they, if they did do, you know, some Mel Phillips stuff or, 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 or you know, it, it's, I don't know the, the laws and. Yeah, and, I don't either. Yeah. I, like, I just know from like the outside looking in that I would assume that that's a big reason why they maybe haven't gone for the jugular just yet with that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's easy to kind of, well, I guess it's not easy to talk about the snooker, the Benoit, the Moolah thing, but, you know, the Melfil, I mean, that's like detestable, just absolutely like unfathomably terrible stories, you know, with, with, with that sort of stuff. So it, I, I get it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Buck, Buck Zumhoff level. Right. Where it's just like deplorable, deplorable shit. So, you know, it's like, um, who knows, you know, like, like maybe you just don't want to do something. Like the Buck Zumhoff story, what is there to be gained from that? Like, who wants to hear that story? And you know, it's not you know he's a prelim guy on top of it. It's like just disgusting, you know. So maybe from that aspect, maybe they just want to stay away from right sexual things, especially with children. Um, but that's the dark side of the ring. I mean, that's it doesn't get any darker. <laughs> that's, than that. that's as dark as it gets for sure. Uh, one thing I do love about Dark Side of the Ring, then we'll move on here, is uh, the I, I, I like. I like the workers, you know, interviewing the old school workers and, and who's working and who's not and who's, you know, kind of still, you know, a wrestler at heart and who's kind of moved on a little bit. Like, I thought, like, B. Brian Blair on the Herb Abrams show, I was like, yeah, he's a pretty well-adjusted human being at this point. And then, and then there's Sam Fatu, who's just like, you know, I don't know. Old Sam. I, I, he, was, he was fun in that episode, in the Snook episode, but he also... He's still a worker at heart, you know? Completely full of shit. (laughs) They're like, you know, the best part, the quote I love, (laughs) I just can't, I was laughing, I like paused and I had to stop, is, you know, they're interviewing Sam Fatu and he's like, oh yeah, uh, Jimmy used to have a woman around him all the time, I forget her name, and they're like, was it Nancy Argentino? He's like, oh yeah, that was her. I was like, what What do you think this episode is about? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Nancy, yeah, that was her name. Like, no, she's the one we're talking about, dude. She's the one that got murdered. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, I did and not just, know that. He, oh yeah, yes, yeah, Nancy. Yeah, that was her name. What? <laughs> and and claiming he was in the car and at the hotel when there's no evidence he was booked. You know, it's like he probably wasn't even there. I mean, there's no evidence that he was there. You know, so it's like they probably could have done a better job vetting that guy and maybe not using his footage. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot all about that. But. <laughs> that one was pretty bad where I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> can't, yeah. Can't let this go. Yeah, no, I was there. It's like, well, you actually, you were across the country, you know, wrestling <laughs> in a different ter- town. But, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. All right, so that is that. So that is uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Um, 
2.46 was the rating uh, in millions of viewers for uh, the Herb Abrams, David Schultz, 2.55 uh, before that as well. So they're all doing pretty good. I mean, the worst one so far was the uh, Jimmy Snooker one, actually, uh, this, this, this season. But, yeah, pretty good numbers overall, so good for them. Well, the question is, does Vice go, after, go for more wrestling programming when, you know, the world gets back to normal? Can a wrestling promotion talk their way into getting on Vice uh, maybe as a lead-in? Uh, to dark side because it's clearly the most successful thing they have going on that yeah, network. Right they now. should, yeah, they should absolutely look oh. it up. And try so now it. that now that they're on the map with wrestling fans, uh, maybe they explore. Maybe not even necessarily airing a pro wrestling promotion, but just more pro wrestling programming in some form in general. I mean, it's definitely something they should think about because this was a struggling network and still is. And uh, this is really the only thing getting them any kind of buzz. And it's doing some of their best numbers of all time. Absolutely. So. All right, uh, let's touch on, let's go to AEW land here. Uh, obviously, Dynamite happened uh, last week. You're going to touch on it on the Thursday TV review, so we're not going to review the show uh, right here. But uh, you wanted to touch on a little bit of the uh, the testing that's been going on with AEW testing all the uh, people involved in Dynamite, all the wrestlers, all the backstage people, all the camera people, everybody like that getting tested uh, before they show up. So what, what, what were your thoughts on, on maybe AEW doing that? Well, it's just getting to the point where this conversation has become extremely tiresome. Um, I find it boring. I find it tiresome. Uh, I, I'm not excited to talk about it or think about it, but it's like, it's almost become a conversation that's on the level of the failed Roman Reigns push or new Japan doesn't care about Tetsuya Naito leg selling or leg selling or any of these other conversations, which everybody knows where everybody stands. It's boring, but yet, Every Wednesday, we're going to repeat the same arguments. And what makes it kind of what makes it tiresome and disingenuous is that a lot of the people participating are playing team sports and they're just picking on the side that they don't like or defending the side that they do like. And that ends up muddling up all of the discussions. And then the discussions and the debates become utterly pointless because you have to question everybody's um, motives and, and, and question where people are coming from. And um, it's just, it's just, you know, so it's like, if you're operating from the premise, I operate from the premise. Okay. My starting point is both of these companies, WWE and AEW will we'll leave everybody else out of it for now. I operate from the premise that they're they're going to run. Okay? And and if you're operating from the premise that they're going to run, then my only concern is that they do it the safest way possible and they learn as they go. And you're never going to make it it's never going to be 100% safe. It's never going to be um a thing where there's zero risk. And that's the plane I'm operating from. I understand coming in that there's never going to be zero risk, but as long as they continue to do new things to mitigate it, I'm okay with both of them running. And I know that's probably not popular, but I'm not concerned with just having the popular stance and having people back pat me and saying the right things. I, I, but I'm just concerned with, with giving you a, my honest depiction of what I feel like is going on. And I, I don't have a major problem with how either one of these companies are handling it right now. We said that last week. 
Um, you know, I thought WWE, look, we've buried both of them over the last month, month and a half or whatever at various points for really blowing it. But I do think that they're both trying their best to make corrections as they go and make it better as they go. And I'm seeing them both put effort into doing it smarter. And it's it's and neither side is doing it perfect. And the but the thing about it is there is no perfect way to do it. Right. The only perfect way to do it is for everyone to go home and to not do the shows. And if you have that stance, fine. I would never argue with someone who has that stance. I'll disagree with you though, respectfully. I think that I understand why they need to do the shows and I don't have a problem with them doing the shows. But my problem here is with the people who are okay with them doing the shows but just constantly want to complain about how the shows are going down because they have this unrealistic expectation that these things can somehow be 100% safe. I mean, you're going to complain that Britt Baker and Pineapple Pete are only standing three feet apart instead of six feet apart. And you're going to go uh, scream from the rooftops and say how irresponsible that is while there's a wrestling match going on in the ring. I mean, what are we doing here? Right. It's all ridiculous. It's all stupid. You, you either have to be all in or all out on this. And it's like, if you're all out and think everyone should go home, fine. Honestly, and I, I the word I'm going to use is going to anger people, but it's just because I don't know if I could think of a better one. I think that's kind of an, I'm not going to <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not going to say the word I was going to say. The, the point here, I think that's, I'm going to use the word unreal. I think that's an unrealistic stance to expect everyone just to pack up and go home because then there's a very good chance they cease to be in business. Right. And I, I think that's, you know, I was watching Dynamite last night uh, with, with Michelle, who obviously is, is, right in the thick of things and, you know, dealing with people and whatnot. And, and she, every time she's been seeing wrestling going on, she's kind of rolling her eyes and just going, oh, geez, this is, uh, I, I, I know why, you know, she's uncomfortable seeing it happen. And I get it. Like she's seeing people die in front of her while this is going on. And I get why she would say that. And she's like, oh man, what are they doing? Why are they wrestling? And and I, I said, I know, I know the, the stance you have, but if they don't do this show, you know, point blank from many people that have told it, like they, they're worried. AEW was worried the same way WWE was worried that, like, what are these networks going to do if they say, hey, you know what? We're going to pack up and we'll come back when everything's normal. Thanks, guys. Bye. Please send those checks, though. You know, please give us those checks so we can keep running. Thank you. Bye. Like, that's not realistic. That's, you know, the NBA can get away with that. Thank you. Because people keep saying, oh, well, the NBA shut yeah, but down. But TNT is not going to tell the NBA to go fuck itself. ESPN isn't going to say, oh, you're not going to run baseball games? Well, fuck off. We're not giving you guys money. Get out of here. The NBA has all the power in that dynamic. The networks have all the power over fucking Tony Khan. Yeah, wrestling is uh, – we said we were talking about it earlier. Nobody watches fucking wrestling anymore. <laughs> wrestling is nothing. Wrestling is a completely insignificant TV property at this point. So the everyone idea wants to, every, you know, Everyone wants to spout off about power dynamics until it doesn't suit your argument. Right, right, okay? right. There's power dynamics at play here. You know, you can't tell the NBA to go eat shit. They'll just go to another network. Yeah, the, the NBA will say, oh, you're done with us, TNT? Cool. In, in in 10 minutes, another network would sign the NBA up, and the NBA would be good to go for, for – they would go to fucking Fox. You know what I mean? FS1 would sign them up tomorrow and be ready to go. And, and these wrestling promotions are beholden to these networks. Right. And they, they have none of the power, and the networks have all of the power. And you could sit here and talk about, 
overcrowded hospitals and putting people at risk all you want. But I'm here to tell you that you need to reel it in and get in the real world. Okay. And this is big money at stake and they, they're going to run these shows. Okay. If your stance is that they shouldn't and potentially going out of business is, 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 is a, is a more noble stance than saving lives and all that. That's fine. I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm here to have a real world conversation about this, not a fantasy land conversation. And I know people are going to get mad at me. I don't care. That's a fantasy land conversation that they should just shut down and stop running. Okay? I'm not dealing in fantasy land. I'm dealing in reality and the real world. And they're going to run. So if we're operating from the plane that they're going to do everything that they can to run, my issue now, since I'm dealing in reality and not the fantasy world, is okay, so how can we run this in the most responsible way possible? Okay? And we called both of them out when they weren't running responsibly. Both of them. And I'm telling you right now, I don't have much of a problem with the way. Now, you, you might still have a problem with the way they're running things. I see them genuinely trying to improve the way they're running week to week. This week, they tested every single person before they were allowed to enter that building. What more do you want? What more do you want? There's literally nothing more they can do. Everyone was tested before they came in the building. Okay? And we're going to sit here and talk about Jake Roberts taking his mask off or Britt Baker standing too close to Pineapple Pete when people are wrestling and exchanging body fluids in the ring. And, oh, by the way, they were all tested. And, yes, we all know the tests aren't 100%. Right. Okay? There's no way to make this 100% safe. But as long as they're doing their best to make it as safe as possible, I don't have a problem with it because I understand the reality of the situation. Okay? You go dark, you might lose your contract. You might not lose your contract. But you might lose all your viewers. And then when things get back to normal and you come back, you lose your contract. Just my issue now, rooted in reality and knowing that they're going to run and not living in some fantasy land, okay, is that they just do it as responsible as possible. And last night, hey, you talk about there's kids running around. Listen, they are telling us everyone in that building was tested. They're telling us that. If they're lying to us, if they're lying to us and those kids running around and these people who looked like extra hangers on weren't tested, I'd be the first one to come on here and call them out for it. First one and bury them under the earth. But they're telling us everyone in that building was tested. I'm sorry. I can't, I don't have it in me to get super worked up about this from a negative standpoint. They're doing all the right things. They're still telling people they can stay home. I think you that's know, the key as well, and and that's when I mentioned it to Michelle. I was like, you know, hey, okay, so a they're they're, they're testing people, and 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 her first question was, I hope they're doing multiple tests because one test, you know, as we've seen is 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 you know you can do the, you can do your own research or whatnot, and and she's dealing with it as well. Is that like the tests are are not perfect, so it's kind of the pregnancy t- the home pregnancy test thing. You know, if it says you're pregnant, eh, maybe try another one and see what that one says. <laughs> you know, try try a few and see what it says. So you kind of have to do that. You have to do a few. From what I read, and I, I and I forget where I read it, and I forget where I saw that they did give people multiple tests. I don't know if that's exactly true. Maybe someone from AEW, whatever. We'll figure that out when, when we figure it out. If they did that. The, we can only go off the information they're giving us. They're telling us that they tested everybody. They're telling us everything came up negative. If they're lying, that's a different issue. Right. I mean, right. Right. Well, I'm just saying like maybe I wouldn't get like I would have done. I'm saying, you know, just things what I'm saying, like the extra steps that they need to take or, or want to take or whatever is maybe multiple tests for every single person. Hey, every single guy, take this test, take this test. OK, you're negative on both. You're good. You know, 
that that's all I'd ask. Maybe just not one single test. That's fine. And I don't know if they're doing that or not. I thought I read somewhere that they are doing multiple tests. Whatever. I don't know the a, information there. A week ago, we're taking temperatures like the dopes in Japan. Were yeah, doing that it. shit was so that that was an eye roll, and we and, we buried it at the time too. That's completely and, irrelevant to. And WWE, to our knowledge, is not testing anybody. And if they are, great. And hopefully they are. But I think they'd be shouting that from the rooftops if they were. Okay. So why, you know, it's like, look, I'm not asking you to throw roses at these promotions. But I don't know. I sit here and I recognize that both of them have made constant improvements every time they they roll out a taping. Yeah. And that's all I can ask. Because I understand the reality of the situation and that they pretty much have to run. Okay. And it's like. If you can run as safely as you possibly can, and if you're making genuine efforts to improve, I can't get worked up about it. I, Rich, I don't have a major problem with either of these companies anymore. I don't. You know, I, I, I just don't. And, you know, maybe someone will get the thing, and maybe that's what will shut it down. And maybe all these champions of social distancing, all these angels out there who are 100% following the rules, because I'm sure that's what the motivation is here. Let's be real. Uh, then maybe they'll, you know, they'll have their time to stand on their soapbox and, and say that that they told you so, that they told these people so. That I, I get it, right? And there's a possibility that, that could happen. We had one person in WWE get it, you know, the uh, the announcer, and we heard a name, but we're obviously not going to talk about it because we can't confirm that shit, and it'd be very irresponsible to say who we heard it was. It's just the same dark Twitter rumor everybody else got, I would think. But it's like, I mean. Rudy Gobert had this thing and shared private planes and locker rooms and showers and basketball courts, and one teammate got it. And like less than 10 people in the NBA had the thing, despite the fact that he had contact with something like 19 different teams. And it's like, you know, I'm not downplaying. I'm not downplaying. But I think the truth is somewhere in between the extremists on both sides, as it often is. Uh, the people out there protesting their state capitals are fucking nut jobs who should be ignored. We make too we, we give too much attention to a dozen morons screaming about Applebee's outside of city halls. We give them too much attention. And then people think that's what everyone in America is doing. When the vast majority of people in this country are doing what they're supposed to do. That's fact. Okay? But then on the other side, you know, I don't think we're killing a million people because dynamite is running a show on Wednesday night. I, I mean, there's, we've got to have a happy medium here where we exhibit some common sense and just try our best to do it in the most responsible way possible. And, and here we go. And so far, so far, no harm, no foul. Can there be an outbreak? Of course. But now that we're testing people before they're even able to come in the building, you're mitigating that even further. You want to argue there were too many people in the building, whether they were tested or not? Okay, I, I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue very hard with you. But am I worked up about it? Am I outraged? No. And I'm not saying that every person has these motives who is annoyed by it. But let's call it what it is. A lot of the people outraged by this stuff are playing team sports, and that's what gets annoying about it, and that's what drives you nuts, and that's what ruins the discussions. Because it's Team WWE guy picking on Dynamite, and it's Team Dynamite guy picking on the other side. And trying to poke holes in what both sides are doing. And that's why it becomes tiresome. And that's why it becomes impossible to have a decent conversation about it.
because that element creeps in. So, um, I don't know. Anything you want to add on that? Yeah, no, I, I would just say, um, you know, I, I think giving everybody the ability to, to show up if they want to and understanding the risks and, and that sort of stuff that if, hey, if you're showing up, we're going to test you. You know, there is this risk. There is this inherent risk that we're all doing this. There's a PR risk as well. Tony Khan, Vince McMahon, AEW, WWE, they're doing the same thing as well. They're saying, okay, the risk reward that we need to do right now is we we run and we take the risk that somebody gets t- test positive and then an outbreak happens and it's a fucking PR disaster when that happens. They're taking that risk. The risk on the other side is we don't run, we pack things up, which is quote, you know the safest thing to do, but that TNT tells us, you know what, yeah, we're going to pull our money, we're done. And then you're dead. You might be dead, you know, with the PR disaster too. I don't know. Who the hell knows? We don't know. This is such a weird time in in, in our lives. We have no idea what's around the corner. What's next? Gotta, what's next listen, week? These networks are struggling too. Right. It's the real like, time. The networks are looking for any way to save forty five million dollars, a hundred million dollars, a billion dollars. Everybody is cutting corners whenever they can. You give them an out, they might take it. Exactly. And it might not. And it might not be with malice. It might just be look. Our our existence is now threatened. And you're a $45 million expenditure that can keep us alive and save the jobs of the people that work for us. And technically, you have breached our contract because you haven't given us first-run material in X amount of weeks. So, unfortunately, we're going to save that $45 million. You know, It doesn't even have to be a mustache-curling, evil, nefarious thing that's going down. You know, I am not going to defend Dana White because he's a fucking lunatic. So – just to make that clear. Right, and the rhetoric coming but, from Dana White is, is so different, too. So to compare Dana White to Tony Connor, Dana White is saying, ah, the media is making this shit up, and it's all a bunch of hooey, and I, fuck this. That's completely different than Tony Khan saying, we're doing everything we can to make sure everyone's safe. And then doing it. Yeah. And, and then doing everything you can. To make, and it's like, but, but UFC's parent company is fucked. Why do you think they're pushing so hard to run these shows? It, you know, so it's like, now Dana White's approach is fucking dog shit. And he's a fucking idiot, and he's just backing up his buddy in the White House. And we all we all understand that. This is not a defense of Dana White. But when financial push comes to financial shove, you know, everyone is going to protect their own house. And if Turner gets in trouble, they're going to look for ways to cut. And if you don't breach that contract, they can't, they, there's, they can't cut you. As long as you're holding up your end, and they're holding up their end right now. And Vince is holding up his end right now. You know, and this and this uh it, it's <clears throat> so I understand it. And, and 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 no, it's not ideal, and no, there's no way to make it totally safe. But you have to approach it from that plane. Okay, we know we can't make this hundred percent safe, but what are the things that we can do? To fulfill this and make it as safe as possible. Right. You, you, you have to live in the real world of, okay, we, we're, a, we're a company here. We're a business. We're running a business. I'm the, I'm the boss of a, of a company or whatever. What can I do to stay alive that will also be – will also follow the guidelines properly and, and, and keep my employees as safe as humanly possible? That's what you it, – it, it, I know – yeah, again, if it, in a perfect world, like – Sitting next to my, you know, Michelle, she would say, why are they running? They shouldn't be running. And I get it. And I t- and then when I told her, I said, well, look, they might not be alive anymore if they stop running. Their TV contract might get. She said, okay, well, 
As long as everyone's being safe and everyone's being okay, then I whatever. Like she she gets it. She understands it because she lives in the real world. You know, she's dealing with this shit every day. There's people dying in front of her every fucking day. But she gets it that like life is you know companies and and this sort of stuff. Like you it, you know it, pie in the sky is that everybody goes home and nobody does anything. But that's just that's completely unrealistic. I, and, and that's why I, it's like I, I don't want to use this word, but it's like it's a vapid take. It is a vapid take to say everyone should go home and not run. You're not living in reality with that take. And your heart's in the right place, and I understand that. And I'm not even saying that, like, I necessarily disagree. I just have to – I can't come on this show and live in that world. I cannot. I have to live in the real world where the shows are going to happen. Right. Well, I wish I wish we lived in a world where everybody could just go away for three months and come back and everything would be fine and normal. And every business would run and everybody would get paid and insurance would still be there and your job would still be there. And every everything you left three months ago would be right there waiting for you to come back. But that's just, I mean, yeah, live a day I, in the I, real world. That's not fucking happening. <laughs> like, and then what it comes down to is do you have a problem with them you know, trying their best to navigate this? Or not. I don't. I personally don't. If that's unpopular, if people pile on me, I'm okay. Rich, not my first dance. You know, so it's like, but that's where I stand on it. And and I'll call them out where I see egregious mistakes. And let me tell you something right now. If those people weren't all tested, I'm going to have a major problem with that. I'm going to have a major problem with that. All those people that were involved in the final segment. They told us everyone in that building was tested. The tweets are on record. The union that was working the show told us everyone was tested. It's not just Khan, by the way. Khan told everyone everybody was tested and tested negative. The union told everybody was tested and tested negative. Jacksonville, by the way, has an excess of tests. They're giving them away. They're giving them away to places that need them. So you can't even come at me with the argument, oh, well, these tests need to go to essential work. Anyone who wants a test in Jacksonville can get one. They have so many tests in Jacksonville, they're giving them to other places. Well, and again, that's people are making that. It's that's a big, 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 big picture item and big picture argument with with testing in America and all that sort of stuff. That that is so far out of the wrestling sphere that could could possibly. I mean that that is. Don't get mad at Tony Khan or AEW or or Jack. Like that's a big picture. Big. We're not. That's not. This isn't the show for that. The yeah, way the testing not, is rolling it, out. It is, it's, yeah, that's a big, yeah, whatever. We're just going to get And it's that. not even an issue in Jacksonville. And the, and, the, and the thing about it is they're following every law because for a few of these tapings here, it was kind of sketchy. Under the cloak of darkness, we're not telling anybody where we're going to be. They're following every law now. They're not breaking any laws. They're doing their best to make sure every, they're, they're testing everyone. Look how far we've come. You know, a month ago, we weren't doing anything. Then we start taking temperatures like they were doing in Japan. That's it's worthless. Now we're testing people. If anything, this will put pressure on the other side to start testing people. And I hope that they are, and I hope that they do. I mean, you're not going to get it down to a 0% risk. You're not. And I think it's unrealistic to expect everything to shut down until there's 0% risk. Even the experts will tell you that's unrealistic. You can't. You know, it'd be nice, but that's not how it, things work. That's not reality. So I it just, just, and I, I, this is not the last time we're going to talk about this, unfortunately. But it's just one of those topics that's annoying to talk about. It's probably annoying for people to hear, but it, it's going to come up every fucking Wednesday. Every time one of these sides makes another improvement, you're still going to have your people going, "Yeah, but," and then we're going to have this whole conversation again. It's like you know. 
if you're working from the premise that they're going to run, you don't need to be out there with a fucking ruler making sure they're all six feet apart around the ring. There's people in the ring making contact with each other. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter doesn't where matter, Pineapple right? Pete and Brick Baker are when there's two... Do- and there's, there's a Dark Order. There's seven Dark Order guys sitting in the ring, and, and, and Luke Harper is is grabbing John Moxley's mouth and, and reaching up and, and talking to him, you know, with six inches... I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, what do I care if Excalibur and Shivani are sitting right next to each other six feet? That is for show. I don't need the PR bullshit. And maybe that makes someone listening feel better. Fine. It doesn't make me feel any better. If Excalibur and Tony Schiavone were six feet apart or right next to each other, I have no fucking feelings either way on that. Right. Well, to, to me, it's always always about the risk. That, that's where, where I go with a lot of things. It's the same thing I go with like CTE and concussions and stuff in, 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 in NFL and wrestling or whatnot is that if everybody there knows what's going on, that there's nobody that shows up and goes, what? What pandemic? What's going on? Like everybody there knows. And the people that don't want to show up, the Bucks, Hangman Page, and those sort of guys are given that opportunity to not show up if they don't feel comfortable and they're, you know what? Cool. Don't show up. Come back when, when, when you feel comfortable. We're good. To me, that's where it really goes down to. That everybody in that ring knows that they are, are inherently risking their lives, their family lives, and everybody they come in contact with. But they're they're there and they understand that risk. And they understand that they're taking that that, you know, that's where I, I differ on, on, on a lot of things. It's like it's just if if they know the risks and AEW is taking as many precautions as they realistically can and are doing everything they can to realistically run these shows in the safest way possible. Understanding that there is no safe way to run these shows, as you've said. I mean, yeah, ideally, nobody runs anything. Nobody does anything. Everybody does exactly what MLB and NBA are doing. But it's just, that's you're, you're living in a fancy world, unfortunately. If you want AEW to exist, if you want WWE to exist, this is what we're going to have to do, unfortunately. So, I mean, yeah, it's not perfect. It's not great. Nothing's perfect. Our lives aren't perfect anymore, so... I just ask that they do the best they can, and I feel like both sides are. Yeah, I agree. I, I do. I, 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 you know, I do. There were times I didn't, and there might be times moving forward where I don't. And if I find out they're lying about everybody getting tested, I'll come on here and scream about it. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if I'm so hot on the idea of sending them home and bringing them back, but I don't know that they're doing that. Everyone's assuming they're doing that because next week's show is taped and the week after is live. Okay. I don't know if they're keeping them there. I don't know if people have the option of staying there. I don't know how any of that. Is yeah, honestly, working. they'd get even more kudos to me if, if if Tony Khan basically put them all up in a hotel and just said, "Hey, st- stick around here, fuck around in the pool or something like that for for a week, and then you know come back That'd for be, three yeah. weeks." Yeah, through through, and it's like, okay, then it doesn't matter whether you're live or taped. It makes no difference. It doesn't add to the risk. It doesn't add to the risk going live as opposed to taping it if everyone's staying there for the duration of those three weeks. But I don't know the answer to that. Right. I don't know if people are, are going home now and then coming back two weeks from now for the week of um, Double or Nothing. I know that the show, the week of Double or Nothing, is live because they're there anyway. Yeah. So- oh, and, and, and one thing I just want to bring up about that, and I agree with a lot of people that saying, hey, you should tape or you should bulk tape or whatever. We've been saying that from the beginning. We've been saying that you should bulk it's tape from the beginning. About bulk taping. We were saying they weren't taping enough. In advance. But I don't know that that's an option for them anymore. There's a lot of very smart people that run that company. And the idea that they feel that they have to do these live shows lets me know that 
that something is different or they that they're whether they're like WWE and they're worried about giving anybody an out or that they're worried about, you know, the network's calling or whatever. I don't know what that is, but I think there's way too many smart people at, at AEW for them to just go, ah, fuck it. Yeah, let's run live just because they want to run live. Because they know they could tape everything, and, and they did for a while. They taped everything all at once. I think they still know that that's the best idea. Yeah, but they're not I doing mean, it for some reason, and that's where you kind of have to think, okay, maybe there's something bigger going on here, and there's a reason why these things are happening the way they are. It's all speculation. I, You know, I, I that part of it's speculation. I don't know. Um, but you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I just see a lot of disingenuous, blatantly disingenuous arguments out there and it's very exhausting. Um, and again, this is going to all, this is all going to come off like an attack on the people who don't think they should be running, but it's like, I, I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just approaching it from a realistic standpoint. Yeah, you're saying I, I, I if, if again, and you said it at the top of it. If you want to say, and I, I'm of that stance too. Like it, in my dream world, they would just stop running, and nobody would run, and everybody would just go away for for a few months and come back when when things are fine. That's my stance overall. But the realistic stance is that's not a possibility for AEW. They maybe it, okay. I should I should preface. They don't think that that's a possibility for them. Well, Rich, how can I come on this show? And do the show that we do and say that everyone should go home and not run. I'd sound like a buffoon. It's not reality. It's not I – can't, I can't do that on this show because I understand why both of these companies are running and why they need to run. Need might not be the right word, but, you know, it's the – people get the idea. So it's like I, I don't even consider everyone going home. And not running as an option to even discuss because it's just not realistic under this scenario. Okay, this is not, you know, if Tony Khan or, or Vince McMahon had their own television network and weren't in danger of firing themselves, then maybe you can tell them to go home and come back when things clear up. But that's, that's not the reality we're working under right now. And quite honestly, at that point, all I need is do your best to be as safe as possible. I personally am satisfied with what both sides are doing. And and I think that both of them have shown that they'll continue to make improvements as yeah, they move Yeah, to, to adjust and, and, and not be stuck in their ways. I mean, WWE changed radically in a few days from what they were going to do to when the, when the PR flack uh, came as hard as it did. So, yeah. And, we, and, you, and you have to give them credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they had a horrible plan. Everybody shit on it. And they said, you know what? This is a bad plan. We need to do something different. And then they rolled out a plan, which made a lot more sense. And they're being more careful in ways that AEW, in other, like AEW, you got the people around ringside. WWE has, they may not be testing people, but they're keeping everybody outside and away from each other until it's time for your match. Then you go in, you do your deal, and then you leave the building and the next set of people come in. And then they sanitize everything. And who knows if that's really doing anything? But at least it's effort. You know, the, the scientific opinions differ. So both companies are taking different approaches. And one approach might be better than the other. I don't fucking know. I think I like the one where they're testing. I think everyone should test. But it's like, I see effort from both sides. And I see adjustments when necessary. And improvements. I don't know. I, I'm not particularly worked up by it. I'm not bothered by it. I don't watch it. And I'm not unco- I'm not made uncomfortable by anything I see, and um, I don't know. I guess we're repeating ourselves now, but yeah, yeah, we, we definitely uh, are. So, so that's that. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how things go 
uh, in the coming weeks and months. So we got about, I want to say about, uh, timing's a little off here. I think we got about, about 30, 40 minutes left, uh, which is, I think is a, a plenty of time to go over the few topics that we had left. Uh, where do you want to start? We had All Japan, we have Noah, and we got a Lucha Match of the Year that we both watched and really were excited about. Okay, so um, just to preface this, I watched uh, seven matches and wrote up seven reviews for the paywall, um, YouTube reviews, on, what was that, two days ago, I guess, so Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday, yeah. Whatever day that was. And uh, 12 hours of work got lost to a um, to a glitch with Patreon. So everything I wrote is gone and destroyed. But I didn't want it to go to waste. I watched all these matches. I reviewed them. I put a lot of thought into them. And uh, one of the ones I watched I thought was just phenomenal. So I uh, I got rich to watch it. And that is the uh, Arreo versus Viano 3 Jr. mask match from the hell's the date. I don't have it in front of me. Um, March. I want to say March because it was almost 20 years to the day. Yes. Of Atlantis versus Viano 3. So it was March something, March, early March. But um, the point here is uh, March 1st, March 1st, March 1st. And I think the Atlantis Viano three match in 2020 in 2000 was March 11th or 13th or something like that. So it was almost 20 years to the day, which is important because this was a match that very clearly paid a ton of homage to that Atlantis Viano three match, which many consider the greatest Lucha match of this millennium. And, arguably the greatest mask versus mask match of all time. Um, I think it was match of the year that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and this match had a ton of uh, nods and callbacks to that, obviously with Viano 3's son being one of the participants. And Areo, uh, Ario, Areo, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, never heard of him before this match, to be completely honest. Uh, sort of playing the role of Atlantis. You know, he wins the first fall with you know, the Atlantis backbreaker. Yeah. You know, a lot of symbolism there. And um, I didn't know what to expect watching this match. It's about an hour long. You really have to set aside an hour. But um, I came away from the match thinking that it was the most compelling Lucha match that I've seen in at least 26 years. Um, That's a heavy statement. I I haven't seen a Lucha match I was this compelled by since... When Worlds Collide, uh, Los Gringos Locos versus uh, El Hijo Del Santo and Octagon, Mask versus Hair. I'd have to go all the way back to that match to find to think of a match I found as compelling as this one. Um, this was just great. It had everything you want in great pro wrestling. Um, it had callbacks, and it paid homage to a great match from the past. It had tremendous storytelling from bell to bell and from fall to fall. And I know that's a point you're going to make, so I'm not going to step on it. Um, I'm going to let you make that point when you go about how each fall was so meaningful when a lot of times in Lucha, it's not. Um, And it had a grittiness to it that fit the match and fit the story in that, you know, you, you might watch this match and think that it was a little sloppy at points or a little rough around the edges. To me, that, adds to this particular match and, and helped it in a lot of ways. Um, but I think this is a surefire match of the year contender. It's one of the best matches I've seen this year. It's, it's one of the best Lucha matches I've seen in my life. It's the most compelling Lucha match I've seen in 26 years. And 
The only thing stopping me from putting five stars on this match is that if it were bigger stars involved and the crowd was a little hotter, this is easily a five-star match to me. I went four and three quarters, and I think it's a match that I can give a strong recommendation to anyone, even if you're not usually a super fan of Lucha. I'm not a huge Lucha fan. I watch a ton of Lucha that I never talk about because I write the reviews behind the paywall, and I like to be on top of everything. That's important to me as someone who hosts a show. I like to be on top of everything that's going on in the world. So I watch a ton of Lucha. I just don't talk about it a lot. And I don't like a lot of the Lucha I watch. I'll be honest. So even as someone who's not a huge Lucha fan, I'm telling you, this is well worth your time um, for a million different reasons. But uh, Rich, what did you think of it? Yeah, so I, I actually had no issues going uh, five-star for me. I, I, I loved it that much. I, uh, I, I put on Twitter, I think that it's like, I think one of my favorite Lucha matches that I've ever seen. And a big reason why, and, and I do want to preface before before we start talking about this, uh, there's an incredible review, and I'll put it in the show description as well, uh, an incredible review and, and recap of this match by uh, Ricardo uh, on our website, voicewrestling.com, of course. I will put a link in there. Uh, you can watch, we have a, we have a link in, uh, to the match in that review as well, so you can, you can read it there. Uh, Ricardo gives a ton of background about it, lets you know about everything going on in the match, really does an incredible job recapping. And he's someone who's, he, he lives in Mexico, so he's kind of has, you know, obviously a little bit more of a, a, an understanding of what's going on, what's building to the match, what the, the, the emotions around the match are and all that sort of stuff. So that all, it always helps to have him write anything about Lucha because you just know, and he comes from such a, 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 a an expertise uh, of it as well, so that really helped me too. I I, I watched the match and then went and re- reread it because I read it when I initially put it up there, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, he says it was good, and he told me to watch it. And for whatever reason, I was like, ah, no, nah, I'm not. I got too much other stuff to do. And then you know, I heard you talk about. It, I heard a few other people start talking about it, and I said, ah, I should really watch this thing because everybody said, hey, Rich, you're gonna really like this match. And it's one of those things where a lot of times when people say that, I don't want to watch it because I fear that people are like, hey, you're gonna like this, and I feel bad being like, ah, I didn't really like it. Sorry, <laughs> you know, I know you told me you thought I was gonna like it, and then I didn't, and now I feel bad that you recommended it to me and and then I, I i shit on your you know recommendation there but uh this is one where i sat down i watched it and it's an hour you know it's 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 a full hour <laughs> it is all all of the hour that it is but i thought it was tremendous and one thing that really got me what i loved about this match more than a lot of other lucha matches that i watch and anybody who's listened to this podcast and ever heard me review lucha knows i cannot stand the first two falls in a lucha match because a lot of times they're just bullshit they're quick they don't matter you know, guy gets put in a, in, in a lock and he immediately taps out and it's over. Okay, next guy gets a, a quick little pinfall. One, two, three, it's over. Okay, now let's get to business. Now we have the third fall. And it's just like, I, I know that they do it. I know it's the structure of the matches. But it feels like the first two falls. In most matches, even big time, well-hyped, good lucha matches, the first two falls feel like they're utterly meaningless. And then you strap in for the next, you know, whatever the third fall is going to be. And a lot of the important stuff happens in that third fall. I get it. That's how, how a lot of top-tier lucha goes. This match is not that case, though. Every single fall mattered. The first fall, as you said, ends, you know, with a, 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 a direct callback to Atlantis and Viano three, a direct callback. That is not a, a a meaningless tap out at the beginning of that match. That is as meaningful of a tap out as you can possibly do. That is letting you know that this match matters. That everything here matters. The second fall, it, it's just nonstop action. Guys going through, uh, flying, brawling, blood. Diving, all that sort of stuff, all building off of the third fall, which again is the same thing. It's just brawling and, and fighting and 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 mask gripping and and blood and 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 high flying and guys diving, and doing all that sort of stuff. Everything in this match matters. Every second of this hour match matters, and that is rare, especially in lucha. That does not happen a lot. It's one of my biggest gripes with lucha. I had no gripe with this one. Every single thing mattered, and I thought when you blend in. 
because you and I have talked about it before too. Like in terms of like mask ripping, bloody, you know, fat guy lucha brawls or whatever. Some people love that stuff. You and I really don't. But if you can combine that with a bunch of really cool high flying, a bunch of cool brawling, some plunder, man, you're talking about a great. And that this match had all that. This match had crazy high spots. This match had crazy flying. They brawled in the crowd. They beat each other with weapons. There was blood. There was submissions. The first fall was a lot of submissions and mat work. Like, this was everything, man. This match had everything. And the finish is not great. I will admit the finish is not great, but at that point, you really don't care because these guys have just went through it in complete war. Sometimes a finish will ruin a match. It didn't ruin this one for me. And I get where people... I have saw some people that said it did, it did ruin it for them, and I get it. I get why it would have ruined it for a lot of people. And I don't really want to – do we want to reveal it here? I think there's a lot of people listening that probably have never seen it. So I I think maybe let them watch it. Well, I hard disagree. I love the finish, and I thought it added to the match. Okay, cool, because I I didn't care care whatsoever. The the finish, to me, put the match over the top. That's where I almost went five stars on this. Because the finish plays into Viano 3 Jr., who he is and what his family history is. Exactly. Right, right, right. I mean, we won't give away the finish – but it's like Viano directly translates to villain. You know, he was such a dirty, sneaky little fuck that the finish made me feel emotion the way that a great film or TV show or book makes me feel emotion. And it fit the story of the match and who he is and who his family is. To me, I, I love the finish. And I think, like, I disagree hard with people who hated the finish and said they ruined the match for them because that's the that's like it fit the essence of the match and the story they were telling and i felt gutted for areo because of the the way the match ended and that's how they wanted that was the, they wanted you to feel that way towards him i felt so bad that this man had to unmask and the emotion on his face when he did and it didn't come across the way that People are saying it came across, in my view, I thought it was the perfect finish for the match. Especially after the war they had, because this little fuck still took the easy way out. And that's the emotion that they were trying to get across. So I'm the opposite. I love the finish. And I advocate for the finish, and I think the finish helped. And like you were saying, all three falls, all three falls were so different and played into the story of the match. They come out, first fall, like like a traditional first fall. They're grappling. They're trying to submit each other. They're feeling each other out. And then we get the Atlantis finish of that fall. Fall number two, such a pivotal fall. They do the tope spot, a direct callback to the match 20 years earlier. Yeah. Where they both got busted open on a tope, and this is, it, it happened exactly here again. It's awesome. It happened exactly here. They bang heads and then the hard way blood. And they sell it for like five, six minutes on the floor. And they get back in the ring, and Viano three wins it with a with a uh, with a senton, the second fall, and um, you know, and, and it just I'm like, you know, this match is just they're 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 it's not they're not copying the other match, they're they're paying homage to it, mm-hmm. and with the family history there, and then the third fall starts, and he goes right for the kill. Did you notice that he went? He put Ario back on the top rope, and he went. I don't know what the fuck he was going for, but they botched it, and they ended up falling on top of each other. And again, this is what I was talking about earlier, where the grittiness and the messiness of the match in some ways, and it wasn't a sloppy match by any means. There were just some spots that were a little sloppy and a little gritty, a little rough around the edges. 
But I think those spots added to the struggle. Right. You can buy that these two dudes have been at each other for 50 minutes and they can't even stand on the ropes anymore without collapsing and falling. And just, yes. you know what I mean? Like that, that's a fight, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. It didn't work out perfectly, but it almost worked better for the fight aspect of, of this match. They're both bleeding from under their mask, and he, he he goes for the kill as soon as the fall starts. He gets him on that top rope. He tries to give him a backdrop driver or whatever it was. It doesn't work, but he's gassed. He's winded. He's tired. He's beaten. He's bloody. He just couldn't pull it off. You know, and then the rest of that third fall is bonkers. The flip dive off of the lighting rig, and then they work in all those modern elements like that flip dive off the lighting rig and the hip toss off of the platform into the chairs and uh you know and then the third fall becomes like the walk and brawl plunder fall but it's 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 so compelling as opposed to just your garden variety walk and brawl walking up the cork and steps by each other's hair where you just want to fall asleep okay this is compelling and then the the spot before the finish where a rail comes off the top to try to finally kill this oh kid. my god <laughs> this this spot i watched this like 10 straight times oh my god and he whiffs and goes through the chairs and crashes on the concrete. And they come running out with the stretcher. And I'm just like, this match fucking rules. And I didn't, I wasn't spoiled. And then the finish comes. And I'm like, that was brilliant. After all of this, this fucking, this fuck. You're angry at him. You want to strangle his, his fucking, the shit out of this kid. It was perfect to me. You know, and then my other takeaway, this Fiano three junior rich, he has a chance to be a star. There's something about him. I've seen him before, but this is the, uh, you know, he just came across, especially at the finish and in the post match as a guy who can really break out at some point. And I don't know if it'll happen. I'm not embedded enough in the scene. Okay. But man, was this great drama and, uh, and just and great like the way the match was laid out from beginning to end was just brilliant you know and uh the 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 where they missed the mark on execution here or there again didn't bother me thought it added to it and um you know well thought out match and the emotion by the end of the match is what really put it over yeah. the top for me yeah, I'd really, I'd really recommend, again, reading either before or after you watch it. Maybe after. It might be better yeah. after. Re- read Ricardo's piece because there's stuff that, like, especially with that finish. I think the way he writes the finish, it makes all the sense in the world to you. You might watch it and go, eh, and then you read Ricardo's thing and you're like, oh, it's fucking incredible. It's perfect. I don't want to spoil it again because I know a lot of people listening haven't watched this. So I don't want to spoil it because it's such a, a, a cool, interesting finish. But watch that finish. And instead of just saying, ah, I hated that, go read Ricardo's piece and then see if you still feel the same way. I don't think you honestly could. You can't. There's so many layers to just the small thing that happened that there's no way that you can possibly say that it, the, the finish sucked. They they reeled me in at the end of this match in a way that a pro wrestling match rarely reels me in. There's been some New Japan matches the last few years. Um, you know, some other matches I'm not thinking about. But it's like from an emotional standpoint. Um, and, and And this was just... Everything you want out of a match, the emotion, the storytelling, uh, the work, the layout, uh, the, 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 the danger, the violence. There's violence, but it's not just violence for the sake of it. You know, it's not just crazy plunder spots for the sake of it. These aren't geeks in the fucking junkyard 
just diving off things to dive off of them. You know, everything and everything had a chance to register. Yeah. You know, I think they sold. They didn't just quickly move to the next spot. Everything registered. There was probably a lot of other subtleties to it that I didn't pick up on because I'm not as deeply embedded into the scene and 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 into the uh, Viano Atlantis story, other than knowing the basics and watching the match three or four times. So there's probably stuff I missed. But man, this is just great pro wrestling, um, and and a, and a, a, a strong recommendation to get through it. Um. So you did go the full five, despite the fact you weren't crazy about the finish. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and that's kind of why I set it up because I wasn't crazy about the finish in real time, and that's when, like, you know, we always say the best time to rate a match is just immediately after it happens. And yeah. and that's I, immediately when it happened. I said, yeah, I didn't really love the finish, but I'm going five stars anyway. And then I go back and reread Ricardo's thing, and I'm like, oh my god, it's perfect. It's fucking great. Like, like it's it, it's even better when you know what how, why it happened and 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 the little nuggets in there. So it's like, man, if I hadn't gone five, I would have gone five had I, after I read it. You know what I mean? Like, so that's kind of why I wanted to set it up that way, where I didn't love the finish in real time, just watching it, just getting ready to kind of put the rating on it immediately. But going back, it's like, oh yeah, there's no question this is five stars now when you add that aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I couldn't go five. I like I said. That's you fair. Know, hey, you, yeah, you you don't go five often. That's that's cool. That's I don't. I mean, I think you get two bigger stars in there, and they have the, this, you know, or, or or if they're treated like bigger stars. Um, I didn't feel the kind of over the top crowd heat you like in a match. Look, these are minor critiques. I mean, I, this is one of the best matches I've seen this year, and arguably the best lucha match I've ever seen. So, or most compelling, at least. But um, but yeah, loved it. So I don't even want to bother pointing out the minor critiques yeah, I have. Yeah. So. But um, we got we'll go through all Japan and Noah. I think we got like 15 minutes. Yeah, or something. yeah. Let's do. That. I think that's plenty um, of time for. But I quickly want to just uh, a couple other matches of note. I'll give quick thoughts. Uh, just because I feel like I, I need to do this for my soul, so I don't feel like I wasted 12 hours. Of right. My there's life nothing worse than doing something and it gets deleted or it doesn't save or anything like that. You you don't want to do like I'm surprised you didn't quit the website. Like I, I like I've done stuff where for my job or whatever I've edited a video for eight hours and then it deletes and I'm just like you know I feel like you know I might just quit this job and just go do something else with I my was... life. Like you never want to go back. You just want to close the computer, walk away, take a walk, and and you really in that moment just never ever want to do anything ever again it's the worst feeling in the world you know a lot of time on the youtube reviews behind the paywall i'm goofing around i do a lot of shtick and i'm you know i I try to make them funny i poured my heart and soul into these reviews because that match first of all brought that out of me you know the match we just talked about and i and it just hitting fucking submit it glitched on me and 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 it is just gone and um it's just so frustrating um they're really great reviews too i'm so pissed off but uh I watched Masato Tanaka versus Konosuke Takashita from DDT uh, a couple of months ago. That's up on on YouTube. That was a title match. This Cork and Hall. Um, I think it was from I want to say Judgments, the Judgment Show. In Cor- I might have the name of the show wrong. It was in Cork and Hall. Tanaka as the outsider veteran uh, uh, champion, and Takashita, of course, who's still only twenty four somehow. I feel like we've been talking about him for a decade. <laughs> yeah, that hold on a minute. He's been 24 for eight years now. That's I, prom- I promise you he's 24. What was he, 17 when we were talking about him initially? Yeah. What the fuck? The, an- the answer, ri- the answer <laughs> yeah. Ri- yeah. That's so weird. Why are people 17? Um, I, can't, I can't fathom that anybody is ever 17, so I, I can't, you know. But I watched this match, and a lot of the DDT diehards um, that, that uh, 
that worked the site with us um, told me, yeah, it's okay, you know, so I didn't have real high expectations coming in. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. This match was great. Um, this had everything you want in a title match of this type. So you have Tanaka, who it's kind of become shit people say when you say, ah, this guy never ages, right? It's like, okay, can we get over that? Because we've been saying that for fucking 10 years now. His career reinvention has gone on for so long that that's just, just who he is now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like he's 47 years old. He's still great. If this match is any indication, he's not slowing down at all. And this was such a brilliantly structured match that I can't believe people were downplaying this match uh, You know, when I said that I was going to watch it. Um, you have Tanaka as this veteran invader champion. Takashita, who's the young on and off ace of the company. I think we could all agree he's the ace of the company at this point, or, or, or at times he is. Has held the title a million times. Has headlined all their big shows. He's trying to get this title back from this guy. And Tanaka, uh, you know, he takes most of the match, which in a match like this where he's going to win, he should. Because I don't want Takashita to win his company's title back in a match where he works from underneath for 70% of it. That's a shitty story. Okay? Tanaka out-wrestled him, and he out-toughed him in this match. The story of this match was Masato Tanaka was tougher than Konosuke Takashita. And that's a good story to tell because it gives Takashita a mountain to climb here to eventually unseat this guy. He's going to prove that he's tough. He has to prove that he's tougher than him. Okay? And Tanaka is still such a great worker. You know, uh, his closing stretches are always exciting and well-worked and play into what happened earlier in the match without being loaded with near falls. Think about Tanaka's matches. He doesn't load up the end of his matches with a bunch of near falls for the easy pops. Okay, but his but but his closing stretches are still as exciting as anybody else's because he's really learned how to work counters around that sliding D and to work counters on top of those counters on the sliding D. And he's a really smart worker. And the other thing about Tanaka is his pacing. He always has great escalation in his matches, but they never start from a slow point. His matches are almost go, go, go from the start. Yet he still manages to have great escalation in his matches, which is notable. And he's 47. He's pushing 50. And he still is able to work that hard pace and show great escalation as you get towards the closing stretch of the match. He's such a smart and brilliant worker. And I know there's a lot of people who sort of whisper through a megaphone that Masato Tanaka likes to eat up his opponents and all of that. Maybe that's true. As a viewer, I don't care. I care. Don't tell me how you made the sausage. Okay? I'm concerned with the finished product. And his matches always work, most of the time will work for me. Now, did he eat Takashita up here? He may have, but it worked for the story because he won the match. I would have been bothered if Takashita won the match under these circumstances. Now, and there were moments in the match where they planted seeds, like Tanaka did a chair shot to the head to Takashita. Classic spot in any Tanaka match, right? It's usually him getting hit with the chair, but he did the chair shot to the head to Takashita. And Takashita no sold that shit, and he hulked up. And that was Takashita saying, I can match toughness with you. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. This is your spot. You can't hurt me with this chair. Now, he did hurt him with the chair, and he proceeded to beat the living shit out of him for the duration of the match. Match went like 25 minutes or something, and he took most of it. But what a great little spot. And he out-thunk him, and he out-toughed him. There was a spot towards the end of the match where Takashita tries to throw a flying knee, and Tanaka counters it with a fucking forearm to the shin and just knocks him on his ass and then gets on top of him and beats the shit out. It's just 
the story here was so great. You know, it's like he's not ready to unseat this hard-nosed, tough veteran who's tougher than he is. And he's going to have to figure out a way to out-tough this guy to eventually beat him. And the work was on point. And, man, I came away from this thinking, if this is like a so-so DDT match, right, what are the good DDT matches from this year look like? I can't imagine there's many better than this. But at the same time, I don't know, I'm probably approaching it from a different plane and have different tastes than the people. Now, the people who didn't like it didn't tell me it sucked. They simply said it was a it was a decent match and nothing to go out of your way. But I didn't see it that way. I went four and a quarter on this. And again, hard recommendation. He still does the leap from the top turnbuckle through the table on the floor. I mean, this guy doesn't slow down. And he's showing no signs of slowing down. And he put a fucking beating on this kid. And I got to tell you, this is the first DDT match I've seen in some time that got me thinking I need to get back in the promotion. That's how good I thought this was. That's how good I thought Tanaka was. I'd rather watch this style of match with Tanaka than watch Takashita wrestle Endo for the 19th fucking time. And they always have great matches. I'm not complaining. But this was way more interesting to me. And it, I felt like, wow, this is what DDT's year has been like? This nasty motherfucker beating the shit out of these DDT wrestlers all year? What have I been missing? So now I'm thinking, man, I got to go watch all Tanaka's stuff here. That's how good I thought this was. So I wanted to talk about that match a little bit. Um, and very quickly, I know we got like uh, we got to get to the Noah and Noah. Yeah, no, we, we got a little bit of time. I, our time is a little off. We got 15 minutes. We got some time. So I watched uh, Dowie James versus uh, a wrestler by the name of Matt Hader from Adelaide Championship Wrestling in Australia. This was from their Rise to Glory show. In, uh, and I believe this was either February or March. And if you recall, Rich, we watched Dowie James wrestle Will Ospreay yes. earlier this year. Yeah, what yeah. I thought was a tremendous match. I thought Dowie James hung with him just fine. <clears throat> but, you know, clearly this was a situation now where Dowie James is clearly the veteran, clearly the better wrestler, and uh, clearly the guy as being the driving force of the match. So a very different kind of match here against a guy that I never heard of and never saw wrestle in this hater. Hater's the champ coming in. Dowie James... Uh, now, I struggled early in the match because I couldn't figure out who the heel and the face were. I don't want to try to sound like Cornette, but when you're when you're parachuting into a promotion and don't know anything about one of the guys, it kind of helps to at least understand who the face and the heel are. You know what I mean? I, I know nothing coming in. Hater is very uh, sort of like Adam Cole. He's cocky, um, uh, kind of pompous, so it was tricky. But about 10 minutes into the match, I quickly figured out that Dowie James was the heel. Because this motherfucker, let me tell you something. He is one of the best heels in the world right now, this Dowie James. You look at his work against Will Ospreay, and especially his match he had here, when it comes to mannerisms, facial expressions, the little things. My God, his performance in this match was so great. And in a completely different way than the Will match, where you're in there with one of the best wrestlers in the world, I'm fairly confident I can get in there with Will Ospreay and have a three-star match. Okay, But he's in here with a guy I never heard of who's clearly less experienced than him, and his heel work is so good that it helps me understand the story and the dynamic of the match coming in. Oh, okay, Hater's the babyface. Dowie James is the heel. He's trying to win this guy's title. And now I'm in. And he does all these little heel things that are so good. The little smirks that he gives, the little dirty tricks that he does behind the referee's back. Um, just little moves like diving out of the way and throwing Hater's head into the bottom turnbuckle. And then sitting there and with that smile on his face and looking around to the crowd, soaking it all in, all the hatred he's getting. 
uh, uh, from the fans for these little heelish tactics that he's using. Okay. And uh, the finish of the match was so good. He, uh, he, he gets the title belt, right? And he's teasing a, a belt shot. We've seen that spot a million times, right? The heel going to give a belt shot to the, uh, to the, to the baby face champion, right? He's going to cheat his way to this title. And uh, you know, with the ref bump and all that, but uh, he uses, he used it as a diversion. So as, as, as the refs you know, struggling for the belt and all that and gets the belt away from him and the ref turns his back, he low blows the kid, right? So he never really wanted to hit him with the belt to begin with. You see what I'm saying? Like he used it as a ruse. Right. To, to distract. Yeah. From what he was really going to do would be big, a bigger asshole than, than you initially thought he was going to be even. So, so then he, he low blows him. He's got this look on his face. The fans want him dead. He hits a sit out power bomb, right? You think you got a new champ. One, two, kid kicks out. Now, he didn't do the thing with the shocked face. And he didn't, like, put his hands on his head. And he didn't have, like, I can't believe it. No, he still looked cocky and confident. And he was like, all right. All right, kid. I didn't put you away with this. But I'm going to put you away now. Now you've done Now you've done it. Okay, you could have just, uh, uh, this could have been it. So he slowly, and he lets, again, just like the Lucha match, he lets it all register. Right? He didn't rush to the next spot. Drags the kid to the corner, right? And, you know, he climbs up to the top rope, and he's going to go for a moonsault to finish this kid off, right? His nuts are in pain. He just got hit with a sit-out powerbomb. Goes for the moonsault. As he's in the air, the kid pops up and super kicks him in the face mid-flip. One of the best finishes I've seen all year. You got to see, if nothing else, you've got to see the finish to this match. This sounds, this sounds right on my alley. I'll have to definitely check this one out. Kicks him in the face mid-flip. Dives on top of him and gets the cover. Crowd goes nuts because this guy's been a shithead the whole match. His shithead plan gets foiled in the end. The baby face retains. And this shithead loses. And again, you're happy for the champion. You know? And, and, and you know, they did a quick angle change at the super kick. Right? But and, and I'm not... But th- I'm, I'm happy because whoever produced this match did a good job because they... They, they edited it to where they obviously picked the best angle, and it looked like he just fucking kicks him right in the face mid-flip. And it looks so great, you know? And, and whether it connected or not doesn't matter because the angle that they chose to use made it come off like one of the best finishes of the year. And um, I ended up going four stars flat on this. Um, you know, it's, it's not... It's a match where you really have to pay attention to it, and you can't watch it fucking around on your phone. You've got to let that heel work sink in. And James is a great worker, period. Don't don't get it twisted. He does that uh, somersault DDT off the apron to the floor, which is really a babyface spot. But he's such a great worker that he makes it work as a heel, too. The way that he positions it and uh, uh, the way that, it, uh, you know, uh, the, the, his ma- – and again, his mannerisms and just the way he moves around the ring. Uh, Dowie James, I got to tell you, if this guy wrestled in the United States or Europe, he'd be a headliner – on every indie show around. That's how good he is. It's just a shame that, um, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to Australia, but if he were an American indie wrestler, he'd headline all of the top promotion. He, in, in Europe, he'd get over instantly. This guy is so good. And uh, I wanted to make sure that since my review got lost, that I talked about his match a little bit too. And then uh, just to balance it out, to not make you think I love everything, I watched Casanova Valentine versus Joel Bateman. This was Deathmatch Down Under. Casanova Valentine bringing his no ring death match to Australia against this guy, Joel Bateman. 
and this was the biggest piece of shit that I've seen all year. <laughs> this does not sound um, good. Yeah, go ahead. What, what? It's uh, there's there's zero redeeming value to any of this. The no ring stuff uh, does. That's not. It's not even wrestling at that point. You, it's you know, not, it, it's not interesting. It's not. Uh, it takes no skill. I feel like any out of shape person can grow a nasty looking beard, throw on a concert tee, and do yarder spots in a bar and have the exact same match that these two guys had. Um, it was bad. It wasn't interesting. Um, this is his thing. This is his specialty. He does this in New York all the time with the no ring. I think he did a bunch of them WrestleMania weekend last year. Um, the no ring death match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all time. Uh, this Bateman guy, I don't even know if he's a wrestler. Um, he showed nothing here. I mean, me and you could literally have the match they had. I mean, if you're willing to bleed and you're willing to do some plunder and hit each other with fucking chairs and uh, do very basic pro wrestling spots and you're and you're willing to bleed, you can do what these two guys did. I think it's uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly unimpressed with it. Um, it's it's just uh, derivative garbage to me. Um, it's not interesting. There's no skill. There's no art. Um, it's just, I mean, you're popping drunk people in a bar because you're cutting a guy with a broken bottle. I, I, I have no use for this shit and it's, uh, it's utter junk and, um, I don't typically go negative stars. So I just threw the big old dud on this, but if I did go negative stars, I'd go like negative two or three stars on this. It's just total waste of my time. And I only watch the matches that you people send to me. Whoever sent me this match. I don't. You're lucky I don't remember who you are, and and I don't want to encourage trolls to send me you know bad shit, but I'll watch it because I again I like to stay on top of everything. But uh, this was horrendous, and now I could say I've seen Casanova Valentine have a no ring death match, and um, you know that that's why I watch stuff like this when I know it's going to be bad, and you never know it might surprise you. But this was a complete waste of my time, and it also took place during social distancing because in the early portion of the match they make mention of it. Hmm. And it's like, that was weird too, because not only are they in a bar, it's a speakeasy or something. What the fuck's going on? I I think it was very early on. It was like March 14th. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. One of the guys is like, uh, says, makes a joke about isolation. Ah, you should have stayed isolated tonight. Cause I'm going to cut this motherfucker up like shit like that. It's like, I don't know. That kind of was, I just figured that was notable. But, um, yeah, that's some of the matches I watched. Not all of them. We don't have time to go through them all. Those are the most interesting ones. Um, but uh, at least now I don't feel like I wasted my entire day on Tuesday. Um, you know, the writing is gone forever. But that's what I liked about the three best matches I watched. What I didn't like about the worst match I watched. So There you go. Let's uh, let's start with Noah because I think we're, we'll go a little quicker on Noah uh, and then go to All Japan here. Um, I, I don't know what recent Noah you've seen. I've seen most of the Global Tag League. Uh, I watched the final. You've seen the final as well, correct? Of the tag league? Yes. No, you watched the tag Don't. league final. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> okay, I watched the next. I watched the show on um on. Uh, let me grab the date. I watched the four eighteen show. I think it was the next day because I knew you watched the tag final, so we can cover all bases. Okay. Yeah. Don't. So don't go watch ahead. It. Tell me. <laughs> so okay. So it's it's El Hijo de uh, del uh, Doctor Wagner Jr. Rene Dupree defeating Shiozaki and Nakajima in the finals. This thing goes twenty seven minutes, Joe. Twenty seven minutes of Doctor uh, El Hijo de Doctor Wagner Jr. Rene Dupree go Shiozaki Nakajima. Twenty seven minutes. And it was during this match that it really struck to me. And 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 we'll talk about all Japan here in a little bit as well. 
where I think last week we touched on a bit. We've touched about it a little bit on you know on, on Twitter and whatnot. But I think all Japan of all companies has almost done the best job. I think with Empty Arena, I'd say a Dragon Gate right up there. But I think all Japan, like you don't know that you're in an empty arena in all Japan. You know what I mean? Like it has the feeling. It's not too bad. Stuff's kind of happen. It's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good when 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 you are watching all Japan empty arena. You, you lose track the fact that it's empty arena. The, the matches are a little quicker. They're pretty high impact. You know, stuff's kind of tight and whatnot. I like all Japan empty arena. As I've been watching, uh, I, this, oh, go I, ahead. I, I'll just say real quick, I, just to back you up. My rankings for empty arena promotions are AEW number one, all Japan number two. Yeah, they're right up there for sure. I agree. Noah might be the last. <laughs> Maybe WWE's worse. I think Noah's right up there because Noah hasn't changed a thing. Like that, everything that is done looks exactly the same. Like it would, it would have a crowd. The camera shots haven't changed. The aura of, I mean, you're just hearing nothing in the crowd. It's just this giant abyss. The wrestlers are still kind of playing to the crowd a little bit. In, in one of the last spots of the match, Dr. Wagner Jr. gets up to the top rope and, and motions to the crowd and before he does a moonsault. And it's like, well, just do the fucking moonsault, dude. Come on. Rene Dupree is like going for heel heat in a crowd that's not there. And they worked 27 minutes, and a lot of it is a lot of back and forth. It's it's what you would think a 27-minute match in a NOAA main event for the Global Tag League final is. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it, a lot of back and forth. The work itself was fundamentally fine, but never exciting. And... They're just doing little things that are. Um, I I wanted to scream and just kind of say, "Look, guys, I know you want to do your stuff, and I know it's it. You, you care about the art or all that sort of stuff, but it's empty arena, man. So just like, let's go. Like, there's a spot where Nakajima is kicking. I believe it's Rene Dupree, and Rene Dupree is like sitting on the ground, like Indian style or whatever, just sitting on the on the ground, and and, and Nakajima is doing the kicks where he kicks the you know the front and the back of his, of his body or whatever, and he does like nine kicks, and I'm like, dude, just do three and get out of here, because by the sixth kick, you're like, oh. Jesus Christ, man. I get it. You're kicking them. Let's go. Like, let's let's move this thing along a little bit. And they're doing escalations. And it's roller coaster up and down and up and down and up and down and up. And it's just like, after so long, you're like, come on, guys. Let's go. Let's get this fucking thing on the road. Let's let's do this. Finally, it ends. And it ends with, like, you know, Dr. Wagner Jr. I forget what he hit. Doesn't matter. Then, re- then the referee is distracted by I don't know what. He's just looking outside for no reason. I guess Goshiozaki is laying on the floor and he's looking at Goshiozaki or whatever. Rene Dupree runs in, drops, um, I think it was Nakajima they pinned. Yeah, it was Nakajima they pinned. Drops Nakajima. Wagner Jr. gets up to the top rope, hits a moonsault, and wins. And it's just like, after 27 minutes, you basically get a distraction finish type deal. Wagner still hit his move. He still pinned him. So it's cool that he did that. But it's like, dude, after all this time, like that's the finish that happens. It... I, I thought nothing happened in this, and I just think Noah has not adopted. I, I've watched this entire Global Tag League, most of it. I thought it was I, – I didn't – there was very few matches that I found enjoyable. I was bored out of my fucking mind watching this entire Tag League. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, wasn't great. I think even WWE – I mean, if NXT is any indication, they're – you know, they did a bunch of shorter matches this week on NXT. Shorter is the way to go. Absolutely. It's the way to go. You know – the longer I'm not saying that long matches can't work with the no crowd, but they have to be way more compelling than the usual. Cause you don't have those. You can't use those shortcuts and those tricks to get the crowd invested because there's no crowd. So it has to a hundred percent be the story you're telling. Um, I didn't see the match you're talking about, obviously, uh, but it sounds like it was just egregiously long and didn't have a compelling story to make it interesting without the benefit of a crowd. So, um, 
you know, we've been saying that we think that the key here is just short and also stiff helps. Working really stiff helps as well. When you combine the two and you've got short and stiff, I mean, that's kind of been the magic formula, you know? I think Charlotte Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania was a good kind of blend of not going too long and also working pretty stiff. And I thought, you know, that's why that match worked. There's been some 205 live matches, I thought, that have been really hit the sweet spot. Six, seven minutes, real stiff. Um, Something like this, you know, sounds like it was just, you know, the match the next night. Did you watch any of the 418? Uh, I did not. Yeah, I did not not see anything from that. So then they they got their title shot, right, against... um, against uh, um, Axis. And uh, no, no, no. Axis was the final. The title shot against um, uh, Mochizuki and Marafuji. Um, so, you know, that went almost 25 minutes. And, you know, they won the titles. So, who would have thought? Rene Dupree. Really, really rocket strapping <laughs> Dr. Elio Dale, Dr. Ryder Jr. and Rene Dupree. I don't know if that's the choice I would make, but hey, they're making a choice. So, good for them. You know, if you're going to do it, do it now. And you don't have to draw <laughs> right. money with them, I guess. I mean... I can't blame them. I mean, you mix it up a little. Why not? I mean, it's not doing any harm. Um, but they win the titles. Uh, it didn't quite go as long as the final. But, um, you know, definitely wasn't. You know, there were a couple different matches on the show I liked better than that. And then one of them was the semifinal with Kotero Suzuki beating uh, Yoshinori Ogawa for the junior title. I really loved Ogawa's run. I think Ogawa's been one of the best wrestlers in the world this year, honestly. Um, and this match isn't a good example of what I was just talking about. They went 25 minutes in that one as well. But Ogawa was so good in this match, and, and they told such a good story that they held my attention for the 25 minutes. The problem with the match was the finish was a little flat. Um, you know, even without a crowd, it came off a little flat, you know. but um, So I can't call it a great match or anything. But for a long, empty arena match, you know, I liked it better than the, than the, than the tag final. And there was a surprisingly good match on this show, the opener, uh, with uh, Kote- uh, Kotoge, Atsushi Kotoge versus uh, Tarusuke. They went to a 15-minute draw. And I know that sounds like shit on paper, but this was – and I know this isn't like we're not clearing fucking high bars here. We're not high jumpers. But this was like the best uh, Tarusuke uh, singles match I've ever seen. Um, not like he's, you know, got a bunch of four-star classics out there. I don't think the guy is all that good. But they had a compelling opening match that went 15 to a 15-minute time limit draw with no fans, which I thought was admirable. Um, you know, the, the, the whole show was pretty good. I mean, a bunch of watchable stuff. So it seems like I had a better experience with my Noah this week than you did. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it got a little... There was one scary, there was a six-man tag with uh, Keito Kiyomiya, uh, Muto, Keiji Muto, and Minoru Tanaka against the Sagara Gun fucking shooters. It was uh, Shrek Sakin, oh boy. <laughs> Hideki Suzuki, and Sakuraba. Oh, boy. Okay. So you're just like praying that Hideki is in the match like for, for most of it, right? To keep Shrek yeah, and Sakuraba. Save us, Hideki. I can't believe you and I are saying, please, give us more Hideki Suzuki, but... Given the other options, yes, I'll take Hideki Suzuki over those two. So Muto tags in with Shrek. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So Muto tags in with Shrek. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this can get real ugly real fast. Luckily, they did one spot. He, you know, he gave him the shining wizard and pinned him. That was perfect. There you go. That's that's all you you want out of Keiji Muto these days. (laughs) Yeah. 
and the right guy took the fall because, you know, you're not going to do anything with Shrek. He's just there to look because he looks great. The guy has a great look. Like, you know, if there was, what do you call the graph where, uh, what's it called? A spider graph where it's like you have the attributes and then um, they're, they're like, <laughs> I don't know it's going to run guy. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you know, like you ever see those graphs where it's like, you see them for sports all the time. Like NBA, it'll say shooting, rebounding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's yeah. pointing in all the directions or whatever to find out what right. the skill set is. Yeah. 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 I don't know what it's called, but I know what it is. Yeah. I think it's called a spider graph. Like if it's real fucking wide, you're great because you're good at everything. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, LeBron James's is all over the place or whatever. And then, yeah, like Ben Wallace's is defense. <laughs> it's all, it's just all over there, yeah. LeBron James has like a circle, right? You know, like a big fucking circle. Like, because he's great at it, right. Shrek's, like, if you had a wrestling one, like for look, his would be like the 10. It would spike up. And then nothing else would be fucking everything else. He'd have a weird looking one in the opposite way. What an awkward way to say that he has a great look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about spider graphs. It took a little while to get there, but yes, he looks good, but he's not a good wrestler. <laughs> so I think what yeah, you're trying to say. And, there. Yeah. and he's older and, you know, but he, he's fucking, uh, you know, he, he looks like fucking Shrek. But, um, but anyway, that potentially could have gotten ugly, but it didn't. And there was a 12 man tag with the Congo guys, um, you know, um, winning a 12 man tag, which interestingly enough, Rich, as we uh, as we move on into to all Japan, but um, the next show is very interesting. It's Congo versus Sugera Gun is the is the theme of the show. More of this with empty buildings because you're going to like this. I think this aired behind the paywall. I don't think it's bouncing around yet. But what it was was six singles matches between the two the two like units or whatever. Okay, it's uh so. And then a 12-man elimination tag with all the guys that you just saw have the singles matches. That's the show, which sounds interesting, right? So there's like a theme there as opposed to just, you know, know, just a standard show with your underneath six-man tags and this and that. So I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, to checking that show out. And I'm looking at the match times, and they're all under 20 minutes with the exception of the 12-man elimination match at the end, the Rich Crate special. Richie, ready for this? Oh, yeah, let's go. A 12-man tag team elimination match that goes 46 minutes. Oh, Are, you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? This is like Survivor Series 88, right? Yeah, what do we got here? Okay, let's go. No, I'm saying it's a 12-man tag team elimination. Yeah, well, are, 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 are you setting this up as good or bad? Like, because you, you know, I haven't seen it. Okay, I'm saying this. Is, it, it, I haven't watched the show yet, but you got Congo on one side. And you've got. Uh, I do like know. the many men standing around the ring, though. That's always good. Like maybe a reinforce the ring joke from Gorilla Monsoon or whatever. That that always that always that always worked for me, though. Yeah, you got Takashi Segura. It's like his B team, though. It's like not his. Uh, like Hideki Suzuki didn't show up for this. So you've got uh, Takashi Segura, uh, Hajime Ohara, Sakuraba, Nosawa Rangai, mm. Rene Dupree, mm. and Saiki Yoshioka. Mm. That's the other. That's the Suzuki guy. Okay. Uh, Suzuki. So, okay. So it's not his A team, but you don't have to deal with Shrek. Okay. And all of those guys, like I said, they have six singles matches. I sound more excited for this than you are. You're like, eh, I don't know. Okay. Joe. So I like the idea of them in singles matches, then all culminating in a tag match at the end. I do like that. I like the idea of that. So I think not I'm into that. Tag, Rich. Not just a tag. An elimination tag. Okay. Well, I will say, despite the, <laughs> despite the narrative, Japanese elimination tags are a thousand times better than, than, um, 
uh, American elimination matches. They do get long, though, and that's my worry. That's my worry. Usually it's a hot crowd, so it doesn't matter, but 46 minutes empty arena elimination match. We'll see. That's going to test the limits there for sure. We'll, we'll find gotta, out. Though. you got to eliminate 11 people. You could look at it from that perspective, right? Yeah, one, I, I'm looking at the times here, and I, I think I'm a little worried. But I'm just struggling. The first elimination is 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's where I saw that. I was in, and then I saw that, and I think I'm out again. So they come pretty rapid fire after that. After that, it's pretty good. Yeah, I might I might skip to 10 minutes in the video. <laughs> you know, I, I know I won't won't capture all the moments, but uh, I think I might might have to do that. But no, I'll, well, I'll there's that, that there's, for sure. There's a big eight minute gap in there between falls, but the rest are pretty. And then you know the the last fall goes long, but that's okay. Um, I don't know. I just think, and, 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 and as we shift to all Japan, I don't know if you saw this, we'll talk about the, the ones we watch, but the next all, what all Japan is doing now are single match shows. And I think that's a great idea yeah. too, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, we praised all Japan earlier, but, um, they had a couple more shows. I watched both four thirty and five, five. What did you watch? So we can, format? Uh, I watched, uh, <laughs> I believe, unfortunately I watched four thirty. So did you, you wait? Did you say you watched four thirty or no? I watched them both. Okay, so, so you watched both. So I do want to make a, a, a quick little uh, plug here uh, for the website, uh, and specifically, John Carroll wrote uh, the quarantine intro guide to Japanese wrestling. Go out of your way to check that out uh, if you're trying to get you know figure out. Okay, New Japan's not running. I gotta watch some stuff. How do I watch the stuff? Where do I go? Where do I watch this? Some background and stuff. Uh, John did an incredible job of of, of laying that out. Uh, quarantine intro guide to Japanese wrestling. I'll put it in the description as well, so you you guys can check that out. But uh, well worth your time uh, if you're saying, "Hey, you know what? This all Japan sounds interesting," or "Hey, this Noah sounds interesting," or "Or Dragon Gate," or all the, all those are up there. Uh, all well done uh, by John. So yeah, the quarantine intro guide to Japanese wrestling at, at voiceofwrestling.com, of course. Okay, uh, so all Japan uh, four thirty. Okay, so this was the first show that had. Uh, this was Shotero Ashino's All Japan debut with the ex-partner. Funny Rich, last week we talked about what are guys like Yasuke Kodama going to do uh, if they can't land on their feet? Well, uh, he was the ex. So it looks like Ashino. And then the next night, uh, well, not the next night, but the 5-5 show, his ex was uh, Kumara Rashi. So it looks like Ashino is getting all of his uh, stable mates, the Infants Terribles, uh, to, to come over with him. So uh, we talked about Kodama specifically. I thought that was funny. Uh, uh, potentially not landing on his feet and he ends up being the first X. So um, you know, it looks like he's going to get all his boys in there. And so Ashino debuts. They beat the Omuris, Takeo, and Hakuto. Obviously, Hakuto takes the pin. Um, what'd you think of Oshino uh, in his in, Oshino in his uh, All Japan debut? Because then he had to stare down with Jake. Yeah, he's fucking great, man. He's awesome. I, I, so I love that. It's going to work yeah. out. I, I oh, had questions. Yeah. You think he'll fit in? Oh, absolutely. I think in that first moment you saw that he's going to fit in. I mean, I, I think he's. I don't know if I don't know if all Japan is is the best landing spot for him, but I think he will make it work pretty well. I, I think he's just such a badass. He just has that aura. We talk about it with Jake Lee. You see him in the ring there with Jake Lee. He's just eating Jake Lee alive in the oh god. That was I mean, god damn it, Jake oh, Lee! <laughs> like, what are yeah. you doing, dude? Just retire at that point because you see a real fucking dude out there in Ashino, a man, you know, a, a champion. He just he's eating this guy alive. He's not saying anything, but you could tell he's just bigger, better, stronger. Just every oh my god, he was eating Jake Lee alive in this. Jake Lee trying to look menacing. Uh, you know, just kind of like, you know, grunting and like, you know, uh, you know, trying to make a face. And it's like, oh, dude, get out of here. You're nothing. So we talk Jake Lee. We talk Nomura, who's not in the mix because of the neck. Who knows with him? We talk Aoyagi, 
who I thought, you know, in his title match that people didn't seem to like against Miyahara, I thought he blew away Jake Lee in the charisma department and looked like a much bigger future star than Jake Lee based on that sample and a match I really liked. We talk about um, um, uh, 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 Yoshi, um, ah, the kid from 2AW. Um, uh, why can't I think of his name? The oh, from, yeah. I, yeah um, sorry. Uh, Yuma, uh, no, no you, um, shit. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I know who you're talking about, but I, I can't for the life of me. It's it's yeah. I so we talk hour, but yeah, you know. So we talk about. we talk about these guys. Are you ready to put Ashino in there? As okay, now they've got another guy who can be a potential uh, hope for all Japan. Uh, Ayato Yoshida. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Uh, yeah. To to break out as a star, it's like do you, you, you or you think it's too soon? Do you want to see him in front of crowds? What do you think? Um, no, I mean. I would probably wait on it anyway, just because you got the time. You may as well uh, wait on a bit with him. But no, I mean, I don't think I don't think we need to like know. I mean, we've seen him already, and I, I think in Wrestle One, he already proved that he could be that guy. Yeah, but it's Wrestle One. I agree. And I agree. But but seven hundred people there. I mean, you know, so it's a different animal now. I'm not saying all Japan is. is yeah, I was gonna know. say. I don't, know what, I don't know what all Japan you've been watching. But. It's definitely a step up, though. I mean, they could fill sure. more. For, no, definitely. You know. But I, I think just like you said, in that moment, you see, you see a Jake Lee, a guy that we have a lot of doubts about, we're not quite sure about, and then you see this guy in the ring with him, and it's yeah. very clear who has the better ring presence, who has the better charisma, who has that sort of thing. So I think. Yeah, I think you got to build him up a little bit. Obviously, you can't give him the title today and just say, yeah, you're good, you're ready to go or whatever. But I think he could be that guy. I think with a little bit of work, I would wait until you get the crowds back again. I would see how the crowds react to him a little bit, see how he draws before you make any you know bold moves with him. But I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work with him. I think he's that talented and, and that good. And I think the way that they're having, you know, they're building this up where he's bringing all of his boys in or whatever, he kind of feels like an invader. And Japan does such a great job with, like, those quote-unquote invaders that I have no doubt that when they want to pull the trigger and when they want to do it, it's going to work. So I, I have all the confidence in the world, and, and I'm a stan, as the kids say. So, I, you know, I was probably going to say that regardless. But I really do think you see him in the ring there with Jake Lee, and it's just so obvious that this dude's got it, you know, whatever that it factor is. Well, on 5-5... Five, five. You know, he got his chance, and they did another X match, and Kuma Arashi came out. I'm not crazy about Arashi. He's a little too indie for me. Yeah, not a big fan but, either. I'm with you. But they uh, they beat Jake Lee and Iwamoto. Obviously, he got the fall on Iwamoto and not Lee because they're setting up the big singles match between Nishino and Lee at some point. But, you know, that stable's getting the big push because then Yusuke Kodama beat Yusuke Okada on that show. Clean in the middle. And Kodama's a guy. Who, again, it's funny because we used him as our example last week of, oh, my God, will he land on his feet? He's looked like a million bucks on these two shows, um, especially in the singles match against Okada. I was very impressed with Kodama. So I think he's going to fit in just fine in all Japan. Ashino, uh, obviously, I love him. I want to see him in front of fans, though. I want to see him, how he looks in front of, you know, with some of the other bigger boys in all Japan, too. Sure. Right, right, right. I, I question his size. Jake Lee did tower over him. To yeah, fair. it's going to be tough when Ashino's in there with, uh, like, Suwama. <laughs> That's going to be tough to kind of work your, your head around, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But this is another possibility of a guy that they can have in the mix who can maybe they can break out into a, a that, 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 that second money-drawing star they desperately need. He's the same age as Jake Lee. They're both 30 years old. He's just entering his prime, or he's in his prime right now, so... Uh, the timing is is uh, is okay for that, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, a good score for all Japan. Now look, I don't know if they're there for good or they're just technically freelancers or whatever, but they've got them now. So 
and and they're and they're giving them the mega push. They're three and zero. They're three and zero across two shows. So you like to see that too. None of this fucking ego booking. Oh, little wrestle one. We got to show them. Yeah, no, they oh. fucking get it. And that's why Japan rules, man. They they get it. They always get it. That's why every Japan invasion angle has always worked 6,000 times better than any American one. Because they say, you know what? Fuck it. Come in and beat the fuck out of all of our guys. Let's build. Let's make some money here. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not that hard. It's so simple. Especially if these guys are, like, legit going to be part of the roster. They're your guys now. Yeah, d- don't say they're your guys right away. You don't have to say they're your guys right away. Let people think. You know, let people think that they're invaders, that they're coming. And that's a lot of times how it works in Japan, too. And that's why they've done such a good job of it is, yeah, let it, let, you know. Keep the doubt in there. Make it a little, eh, I don't know, are these guys here or not? Are they are they freelancers or what? And then have them beat the fuck out of your guys. And it's it always makes money every single time. And it's like the template's there, and, and a lot of people, you know, I don't know how to do it. So so on the 30th, we got a bit of a Heyman special where Hikaru Sato and Suwama beat Dan Tamura and Yoshitatsu, and it bleeds into a Yoshitatsu Oh, how good was this? How good was this? Yeah, so, you know, again, outside the box thinking that all Japan has done here. Uh, and that they're doing here. And then, you know, they have work a short DQ, but that was really just to set up the match on the fifth where Yoshitatsu and Kento Miyahara challenged for the tag team titles. But before we get to that, we had the all Asia tag team title match on the 30th, Kento Miyahara and Akira Francesco challenging Asami Kodaka, Yuko Miyamoto, Yankee Tukenju, uh, uh, good match. I thought this was a good match. What did you think of this? I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I, I thought Francesco was or Francesco was really, really good in it. Uh, I liked his spots a lot, and and, and you know I kind of like the, the whole story of the match too. Was like Kento Miyahara's got this, you know, his, his little his little understudy or whatever, and and his little understudy he can't get it done. But you know, at the end, I, I don't know if you watched the post match promo. I don't know what they're saying, but I can a hundred percent know that the tone was just like Francesco being like, oh, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and Miyahara being like, "It's all right, buddy. You're learning. You're getting better." And I I kind of like that. It was a cool little idea there. But no, I like that. You know, Kento kind of wanted him to kind of go out there and hey, look, see what you can do. Try to get this win. Okay, I'll come. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix it for you. Okay, you go back in. Don't fuck it up. And he kind of fucks it up a little bit. And like I thought the story was really, really cool. I thought the work was really good as well. And this is what I talk about. 24 minutes that felt like 10 versus 27 minutes of Noah, which feels like it's 47 minutes. Like this went by quick. There was all action, a lot of tags, quick movement, you know, a lot of really good stuff. So I thought it was a really, really good match. Well, I, I loved and, it. And, and the big thing, the atmosphere, because there's wrestlers around the ring providing some atmosphere. Right. You know, that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, so Francesco gets, you know, the tag, and then the crowd, yeah, you know, you get, like, a hot tag. It feels like a yeah. hot tag. And you're like, yeah, all right, cool. And then, you know, he fucking, he's getting his ass kicked, so he tags in Kento, and then you get Kento, Kento. It's like, all right, here we go. This feels this feels good, yeah. And the other problem, too, is Noah just feels stoic to begin with these days. Right, it's exactly. Just, what they are right now is just a very stoic stern style promotion you and then when you take away the fans it just it, it's a little much it's thick it's a heavy promotion to try to watch right now so uh uh kodaka and miyamoto retain the all asia titles good little utility team to bounce around promotions of this size in in japan they pop up everywhere and right now they're doing the all japan thing uh the next night Kento Miyahara is chasing the world tag team titles with Yoshitatsu against Violent Giants. I think, real quickly, I think you undersold the Suwama-Yoshitatsu match, where, where Suwama got disqualified for kicking too much ass. I loved it. Yes. He's like, you fucking geek. Are you fucking kidding me? You're going to step up to me and just beat the fuck out of him so much the referee said, hey, stop beating the fuck out of him and disqualify him, which I thought was incredible. Given what I think of Yoshitatsu and what like he kind of is, I thought it was just incredible where he just steps up to Swam and Swam was like, all right, cool. You want to go? Let's fucking go. And just beats his ass for three minutes. I loved it. 
if you like that, go. You need to watch the tag title okay, match on okay. the because it's 26 minutes of Yoshitatsu getting his fucking ass yes. kicked <laughs> by Suji Ishikawa and Suwama, and it's great. I thought it was better than the All Asia match, which I really liked. I like this match more. Uh, probably a notebook match. You know, I didn't rate it, but you know, right in that neighborhood, three and three quarters, four, four and a quarter, somewhere in there. And it's not a Miyahara match at all. Miyahara got a lot of action in the All Asia match. And this one, it's the Violent Giants beating Yoshitatsu to a pulp. This is a match built around Yoshitatsu and Yoshitatsu selling, and it's a great match. And, you know, every now and then, these Yoshitatsu matches in All Japan just work on that level. You know, he's at a. Every now and then, he just peaks high with a match like this, which is super compelling because. One thing he can do, he has physical limitations, especially after the broken neck, but he, he's very good at garnering sympathy. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is one thing about him. You know, we're talking about spider charts, right? In terms of selling, maybe not the mechanics of selling and the, and the, and the uh, but, but in terms of garnering sympathy and being a sympathetic babyface, he can do that. And it works perfectly against two big, nasty guys like this, especially when you have the idea that they just built up this feud from, from a week before. So... Uh, I would definitely say that that's a match well worth seeking out. And also, I would watch that Yusuke Kodama versus Yusuke Okada match. I was surprised that Kodama won that because I figured, okay, this is one of Ashino's boys. He can lose. But he's the understudy, yeah, so he can lose. But I like that. I like it, though. That's cool. That's balls. I appreciate it. But he beat Okada in the middle, and I got to tell you, he, 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 he seems like Kodama. He seems like he fits like a glove. So um, that's your all Japan catch up. So. We're doing all right with this with this fucking COVID keeping up on everything, you know? Um, you know, so we're doing a nice job here. There's some uh I know there's a new Zero One show. There's a two AW show. I'm gonna force Rich to watch Zero One and Two AW. Maybe not for next week, but one of these shows coming up. Uh we got Money in the Bank next week uh review. Then we'll have double or nothing coming. Uh, we've got the zero one and the two AW in yeah, the tank. We're good, man. We're good. We got uh, the fucking triple A we haven't even tapped into yet. And that was the other thing. We're going to do that whole AAA tournament. We're going to do it all in one shot. I know it's been going on, um, you know, as we've been doing the shows the last couple of weeks. But we're going to watch the whole thing and review the whole tournament on one show. Because you got to kind of space things out, you know. Uh, but, look, we've still got a lot, you know, to look forward to. We're, we haven't run out of stuff yet. And, honestly, I don't think we're going to. Because I think Japan is slowly going to uh, start. They're basically going, man. Have you looked at the Japan schedules? Like, Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to be all right, I think, uh, in terms of, you know, having content to do, you know. So, you know, we, we talked about it a million times. A lot of these places just never stop, period. You know, we just the whole segment on. So uh, I think we're a little bit over time. Yeah, so. nah, whatever. <laughs> we're good. So uh, that's it for us. Uh, VoiceRacing.com slash Discord as well if you want to uh, discuss this show or anything else. Uh, we do at the website. Also, uh, anything else going on in the world of wrestling. Uh, $10 listeners, thank you, of course, for listening live. Uh, VoiceRacing.com slash Patreon if you want to be uh, one of them and listen to the show live with us and participate in call-in shows when we do them and get all that other good stuff that you get for the $10. So uh, VoiceRacing.com slash Patreon uh, for the $10 tier. $5 tier, a lot of really good stuff going on this week, man. we got a November to remember. I've got two in-your-houses, I think, going up there. I got we got Q&A. we got so much stuff going on on that $5 tier. So make sure you're on there, uh, VoiceRacing.com slash Patreon. 
uh, as well. Joe's reviews when they when they actually post the written reviews uh, there. So yeah, there's plenty of good stuff there on Patreon. So patreon.com slash voices of wrestling to get those details on all the tiers uh, when you go to that site as well. And also voicewrestling.com as well. We mentioned a few different things on that site. Ricardo Gallegos' um, awesome piece about the Lucha match. John Carroll on the uh, the intro guide to Quarantine Poro. So a lot of really good stuff going on there and a lot of good stuff going on in voice wrestling. So yeah, the world doesn't stop, man. Wrestling, thank God we're not doing an NBA podcast because there's not much else going on in, in the NBA world. But goddamn, there's a lot going on in wrestling. So I wrestling, guess... Wrestling fans are very lucky from that standpoint because wrestling never stopped. Right, because we're such a trash bullshit sport yeah. that nobody could afford to stop running so here we are so hey great Yay. all these other leagues have so much money and so much popularity that they can stop but fucking rest- every wrestling company is going to go out of business if they don't run anymore so they just keep running so yay <laughs> go wrestling anyway for joe lanza i'm rich great we'll talk, guys- talk to you guys next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast take care